0: I'm gonna push the go button on youtube now okay and we are live don't hang up. <laughs> Not hanging up what is up kurt schmidt hey how are you i'm good man how are you oh living the dream living the dream that's usually what people say when they hate what they're doing
1: <laughs> no i'm doing good i'm doing real good um it's been busy uh been a busy uh past couple of years with the business and the book writing and the show and all the other the family stuff so um yeah i've been doing real
0: good good you got a lot going on for sure uh yeah. the first thing i wonder is uh, is it kurt with a u or ah. is it krt <laughs> okay
1: so there's a story behind that so um <clears throat> so my friend um one of my best friends growing up rich hansen um, he ended up moving to California and became the brand manager at Haro when I was like, I don't know, 17 or 18 or something. Okay. And he was working there, and uh, you know, he was uh, he's living in California, and um, I got, let's see, I went to a rampage contest and I got my first picture in a in like a proper riding picture in a mag- magazine magazine and um they didn't know who i who i was so they knew rich was from minnesota so like who is this guy and rich was like oh that's kurt it's spelled k-r-t um and uh because rich always thought that k-r-t um just looked better because he's a you know he's a designer artist guy so um so that's how the magazines just kept printing it forever and so i just kind of adopted it and but it is not it is not legally krt but um that's that's kind of what it became so
0: yeah i wondered about that because i see on instagram it's one thing but then you go to like yep. foundry's website and it's the one with a u and yeah yeah so yeah
1: no it's it, uh it's kind of was uh it was the the something that just people knew me as back in the day so i just i just ran with it i didn't really bother correcting people i didn't really care either way
0: <laughs> right yeah i mean um we're...
1: you know and then yeah and then all my social handles became krts because you can't have a three um uh oh. only a three letter username so <clears throat> so everything became krts because the minute the smallest username you can have is four.
0: i gotcha four letters so the, the mystery is now solved
1: yeah. <laughs> yes yeah yeah a very intriguing very very intriguing mystery yes
0: yeah, such a crazy story <laughs> that's funny <laughs> all right well before we take it super far back when's the last time you rode
1: oh man probably last year sometime yeah i um, ride right around the neighborhood a bunch. We've got a nice hill outside of my house that's fun to do rollbacks down and um, you know uh, freak out the local little kids that some gray-haired guy is out there doing 180s and jumping off of curbs and stuff. You know,
0: <laughs> like that uh, Paul guy that we all see floating around on Instagram and Facebook. Yeah, he's great. You get tagged yeah. in his posts. Like, come on, he's not even that old yet.
1: He's not even that old. <laughs> yeah, no, it's been. Um, yeah it's been fun you know i um I, yeah i'd like to tool around i still have a, a sunday um that i ride um
0: nice i was gonna ask you about that What your current bike setup was
1: yeah got a got a sunday that is like my main kind of like trick bike that has mm-hmm. um all four pegs and um has brakes all over so <laughs>
0: nice you i'm sure you got a coaster on that
1: no, actually, I don't have coaster. I got a free coaster on it. Um, <clears throat> um, what's his name from Flatline Fuel? Cooked me up a while back um, with a with a free coaster. I don't even remember what the name of it is, but um, um, yeah. The, I mean, the problem with coaster these days is that is that because all the axles are so much bigger than the old standard ones, so yeah. um, when you get when you try to put it into a newer frame, uh, it just doesn't. It just doesn't work so um you know maybe someday i'll machine something that will allow me to go back and at it but um but yeah no i always grew up riding coasters so like that was just the more natural way of riding for me
0: it's actually kind of hilarious that you're one of the few people who i would talk to who would make the distinction and hear coaster and think coaster break and not oh, yeah. think free coaster <laughs> because to me when i asked you that i was asking you if you had a free coaster on it <laughs> but to you it means something totally different which is hilarious
1: yeah no uh, uh yeah no coaster to me means break No, uh, that um and uh free coaster is is um no break
0: yeah that's that's pretty funny <laughs> and i mean that's a great place i think maybe to talk about the, the beginnings of ridings like when sure. when in your riding did you end up putting a coaster on
1: um <clears throat> my first bike uh it was a it was a huffy or something when i was you know like eight eight seven eight years old mm. um and that's how they i mean that's just what the bikes all, all the bikes came with right <clears throat> coaster there was no calipers or anything
0: i think even kids bikes today a lot of them come with coaster brakes so they? they got the pedal brakes so they can yeah. naturally stop
1: <clears throat> yep so that's how that's how i learned to ride a uh, ride a bike was with coaster and then um and then um uh shortly after that you know riding around the neighborhood and things because again i grew up in the late 70s early 80s so um it was basically like just you know come home when the lights turn on the street lights you know mm. Yeah. Um, so we'd, we'd go riding for miles and miles just around and, and do stuff. So it wasn't, um, um, you know, you'd run into other guys on bikes, you know, and, um, some were older guys that were kind of jumping and doing things and kind of messing around. And, uh, and then I remember running into this one guy that showed me like a BMX action magazine and I was like, Oh, wow. Like. Oh, there's like a whole sport here of racing. Um so I convinced my dad to take me to a local track and started racing. Um and that's how I got that's how I got going. So
0: wow. So did you ever switch back from a coaster? Or were you just always
1: No, I had a free will for when I was racing, yeah. Like typical freewheel. Right. <clears throat> I can
0: imagine um, you wouldn't want a coaster while you're racing. No, no. <laughs>
1: No, and I was not a good racer because racing is way more dangerous <clears throat> than freestyle is, in my opinion. <laughs> like it's just way more dangerous, um, and uh, um, and so um, I never got I never got as hurt as I did unless I was racing um, um, in my BMX career. So uh, we um, so yeah, I got like a Hutch Pro Star. And I got with the you know the crazy pedals with the that are like the bear trap, crazy pedals that <clears throat> would embed themselves in your shin. Um, um, those those things were dangerous, man. They were so dangerous. Um, and yeah. then, but then I remember going to a, a race at the Saint Paul Armory, uh, and um, and uh, it was indoor race, this like big kind of national race and i remember like at the end of one of the races uh, for the older class i remember watching this guy that was just doing back wheel hops and i was like that is freaking magic mm-hmm. like what i i seriously like i couldn't believe what i was seeing and he's just sitting there just doing back wheel hops you know
2: mm-hmm.
1: um and i was like that i that, i have to do that like that's like i have to i have to know how to do that thing so um so that's when you know very quickly Started to move into trick riding, convinced my dad to build a ramp, and and then started throwing hucking myself off of that.
0: <laughs> That's funny. That's <laughs> it's wild to hear people's stories from such a different period of time, but also how similar they they really yeah. are. Because I I had that moment of being at the skate park for the first time and seeing that person and being like, it's magic. I yeah. can't even believe this. It
1: literally looks like magic.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah, at that point in time there's this setup where he 270 to hip, then he threed the spine. They needed a bar air that was above coping <laughs> on the quarter and it just I was filming on my Motorola Razor.
1: <laughs> oh, that's awesome.
0: Yeah, and everybody's heard this story but it doesn't matter because it's it's my story and I I remember filming that and be like awesome and it was from that point on just like there was never going back never and, going
1: back and nope never going back the, the, yeah that that's that's what happened to me and it was uh um <clears throat> it was fun it was it was a lot of fun so it was like you know very um uh you know but back in the i mean back then like a kick turn would have made me
0: floor do you know what i mean so mm-hmm. yeah well i was watching some videos there on your youtube channel where it was uh actually i think i still have it up. yeah it was something from nineteen eighty seven, I think, and you were doing it was a contest from nineteen yeah, Kurt Schmidt Ramp Run MFS eighty seven.
1: Yep. Midwest Freestyle Association.
0: And I was watching that and the the kick turn stuff on the wedge, like one footed X Up kick turn, yep. and I was just yep. like, Wow, yep. BMX is <laughs> crazy like <laughs> thinking about how far things have come and just watching yeah. like the awkwardness of you go down that wedge and then you have to carefully turn around because you're going to slip on that slippery oh, yeah. Yeah, floor those
1: floors are slick man
0: and and then you turn right back around to do another kick turn and it's yep. like looking at it and you just think about even just the aspect of like putting another ramp to turn around on a uh, whole even... different
1: type of ramp yeah yeah And, and, and it was, and you had to do it because it was, that's, you were scored specifically on how you used all the ramps. Like that was a standard across the freestyle competitions is that, um, you know, if you didn't never touch the ramp, you actually got demoted. So
0: interesting. So yeah, you had to go over to that wedge. And at that point it had a different name, didn't it?
1: Yeah. It was just, I think they just call it a kick turn ramp at the time or, but eventually,
0: yeah, it became a wedge ramp. I heard yeah. short ramp, too.
1: Yeah, short ramp. That's that's really old. That's probably even before my time.
0: Wow. Yeah, I heard. Uh, <laughs> that's funny. One of the guys who uh, used to help out at the local shop, Aaron, used to call it the short ramp. Short ramp. Yeah, that's so funny. So yeah. at what point did like the props era start? Because I oh, saw that you were in no. props very early on.
1: Yeah yeah well um early on you know um chris and marco were doing the bako or well chris was doing chris rye was doing the bako videos which you know i was in a bunch of those and they filmed a lot at standard and and down at rampage and you know i became part of their pseudo like a cousin to their brotherhood you know Mm -hmm. um and so uh and so I remember uh, 411 was a skate video that it started coming out and um, and props was like, we want to do 411 but for BMX yeah and um, so Rick and I actually invested in the original props like we took money out of standard and used it to help them get it stood up and then I, I think within like six months they they bought us out or within a year they bought us out and took off with it so yeah prop stuff like i was there right in the beginning from um not only just riding but also from like a business support so wow
0: that's really cool so without you props wouldn't exist and they just well had their... chris
1: and marco would have they're smart guys they would have figured it out okay it was just, you know it was just easy to get money out of us because we were making lots of money at the time
0: <laughs> there you go well okay so either way though you had a big hand and they just had the uh 25th anniversary or whatever that was just like yesterday or the day before
1: yeah it's crazy and and the work that the work that they had to put in to pump out those videos was incredible they learned like they learned so much in such a short amount of time like it was i i refer to like episodes like that as like it's like an mba class on steroids like you have to learn the business side of things you have to learn the logistics
0: side of things
1: um you know the you know the getting tapes from all different places putting it together like you and then shipping it all out like on a schedule uh you know that i i don't think anybody just like the rest of us like when we started the bike company we had no idea what we were getting into you know Yep. just just
0: i was gonna say just knew what you wanted to do and then figured out how to do it
1: yeah Yeah, right, well, exactly, because, you know, nobody's coming to save you. Like,
0: (laughs) you're on your own. Yeah, and I guess, I mean, so we kind of talk a little bit about props. Maybe we could talk about standard because that was one of the things that when we originally talked about doing this, you said, imagine we want to tell the standard story. And so uh, what is the standard story?
1: Well, well, again, it depends on who you ask. You know, I mean, it's all different perspectives because there was – three of us in the beginning that started it, right? So at the time, uh, myself, Rick Molitorno and Bill, uh, Nitschke were all sponsored by Haro. Right. And, um, and at the time Rick was trying to go to them and say, Hey, I've got an idea for a, for a professional level bike. And, um, you know, and I'll give it to you. Just give me some of the royalties and whatever. Right. So, so for me um you know um while that was all going on i was trying to make a like a big life decision like my friend rich had moved out to california and he was like look you got to move out here because this is where everything is happening you know Mm -hmm. so so i i was like okay i'm gonna i'm gonna um i'm gonna go out there and see about you know living there and whatever else and so um i I got on a plane and I went out there for like, I don't know, a week or 10 days. Um, and while I was there, it was great. I mean, it was like a, it was like an old school rider's dream. Like we were hanging out, um, you know, with Wilkerson and then we, you know, I was, we went street riding with Spike Jones and like, um, I think, uh, I don't remember who else. There was some other Brit there, maybe like a Nick Phillip or something. Uh, um, um, but, It was just great like we went to all these classic places went to chris rott's chris potts house and he had some ramps and we got to ride there and everything so um um uh so it was um uh it was it was crazy um like the the I was like okay well i'm gonna have to move out here i wasn't super into it you know california and me like california seemed like a really nice place to hang out and um but you know there wasn't anything about it that was like wow like movie stars and Mm -hmm. you know whatever like there wasn't anything like shiny about it to me other than obviously it would have been really good for my career To live there, because you get in, you know, for the photographers all the time, and um, get more coverage, and more coverage means more sponsorship, and more sponsorship means, whatever, right? So, so that was the plan. And then when I got back, um, I remember my dad saying, like, "Hey, you gotta call Rick back. He's called like four times (laughs) while you were gone." And I told him what you were out there doing, and he's like, and so I was like, okay. So I called uh, Rick back, and I was like, "What's up?" And he's like, oh, I got this idea. I want you to come down here, um, <clears throat> and uh, and I was like, okay, yeah, um, all right. So I think like within a week or so, we drove down, and um, and um, and uh, it was great because um, Rick was like, okay, well, I'm gonna start this bike company, but I don't want want to do it without you being a part of it. And I was like shocked. I was like, Me, little old me. You know. <laughs> I mean, this yeah. is Rick Molaterno, right? Like, I mean yeah. <clears throat> like he was a legend before, you know, I was um y- you know, even in a magazine,
0: right? Yeah. So how old were you have been at that time, real quick?
1: <sighs> I was just twenty, I think, just turning twenty. Okay, cool. I think, yeah. Nineteen or twenty. Um <clears throat> and uh and I was like, Well what you know, what's the deal? And he's like, Well, we wanna do this thing where because <clears throat> because we were always complaining to each other we had a good relationship because i'd go down there a lot and i mean i think in that in the 89 90 year i went through two frames a month
0: Jeez. tomorrow. like
1: i i mean and rick was going through more than that he's going through one a week sometimes so whoa so like you know i mean there'd be times when i would come back from a contest and there'd be like six full complete boxes um of bikes sitting there for me um at the house so they were just disposable really because that's insane because uh, they would just you know they would just smash up right um, really really fast you know and and again you also have to think about the time because i always i mean I, I watch a lot of i watch a bunch of your stuff brand and i watch other people and you know they talk about the overbuilt era and mm-hmm. all this stuff and um yeah i mean we there was the pendulum did swing a little too hard but also the riding style at the time like people were not people were hucking like constantly. right so so there was no like you know chase hawks where it was like i'm landing you know nose down every time right so
2: mm-hmm.
1: um <clears throat> everybody was just going for it like if you were if you were getting in a contest or if you were in a magazine you were going for it so yeah so the bikes were smashing um pretty um quickly but um but again none of us had ever built bikes before (laughs) like we were like we were like just just fix it fix it throw everything at it yeah um and so uh uh so you know he's like we're gonna we're gonna do this thing we're gonna make frames and blah 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 and he's like bill here's got his peg company which was really successful at the time and becoming even more successful he's like he's gonna merge that together and bill's gonna run the parts division um, I'm going to run the the frames and the geometry and, you know, the, the materials and the manufacturing, and you're going to do all the design and advertising and branding and all of that stuff. And I was like, this sounds great. Let's do it. And so I moved down there um, probably within just a few months and, uh, and started living in Iowa. That's when we started it.
0: Whoa. That's, is that like the origins of kind of your, I mean, you got definitely the most professional setup that anyone I've talked to has had. <laughs> so is that is that a start yeah. of stuff like that for you? Yeah,
1: yeah, I mean, um, you know, I got really into, obviously the, des- I was always in kind of an artist and you know, a really te- terrible one, but um, graphic design I really enjoyed and really spoke to me. And, um, you know, one of the first things I got was a Mac when <clears throat> we were starting the company. Mm-hmm. And I think my dad bought it for me. I think it was like six grand, or something crazy at the time.
0: Well, that hasn't changed
1: anyway. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, and uh, and I got a scanner and a bunch of other stuff that was. And then so um, so I basically had to go to school in in and not like traditional school. Like I had to start going to these printing companies that were doing the. CMYK separation of the film that I would have to send for advertisements in the magazine. And they were so gracious because over the years, they'd be like, oh, this is how you got to do the bleeds. No, you got to go back and do this. And so I had a real good opportunity by being a business owner, by bringing in just crap and being like, help me fix, please. Um, That I I learned a lot during that time. And so. Um, but over that course of time, I got even more interested in video. I was making short films and biking videos, um, you know, with those with the big VHS camcorder uh-huh. and um, all of that. So I was always into video and photography and design, and um, and so yeah, that's um, I mean, when um, I left the company, like that's you know, that was my passion was design and um, technology, and so um, that's. That's kind of where my career has gone ever since then so um yeah it all started really with um with having to figure out like how to do ads in magazines <laughs> like i was like i don't i don't know yeah me. so and bmx plus wasn't very helpful but brad mcdonald that ride you know when he started that that was that was great um he was super helpful on helping us figure it out
0: nice it's crazy that it's this comes from Rick being like, You're gonna be the marketing guy.
1: <laughs> Basically, yeah. <clears throat> Basically, yeah. He's like, You're artsy fartsy, like you do that you do the desi- you make it look good and I'll make it ride good and and Bill will make sure that like, um everything else around it is great, you know?
0: And so. and was it? Like did you guys do what you set out to do with it?
1: <clears throat> yeah, I mean everything took ten times as long as we had hoped it would have. So um which is the I mean the story with every bike. Manufacturer oh, um, out, of the, sure. out of the gate. So, um, you know, we had, we were lucky we had Bill's pegs and he had tons of ideas for other parts. And um, Rick had ideas for parts like stems and different things and <clears throat> um, new ways of doing brakes. Um, uh, you know, because he had done, he'd pulled those, um, what are those, those brakes off of uh, old mountain bikes or whatever, like big cantilevers. The and, yeah. Um, and figured out how to make them work with a with a pots modification right to go through the um to go through the stem and so there was constant it was just constant innovation right but the problem was is that when you took it somewhere like people weren't like oh i know how to make that thing it was like everything was yeah everything was from scratch like every single time everything was was new so right um, that was the big challenge so yeah i mean we got to do everything we wanted but it like i said it, it, you know it took way longer to get the first prototype frame done than we thought it would and um and then to actually start getting i mean luckily schwinn went bankrupt during that time and we got to work with waterford precision cycles to help us build the bikes because they the employees bought the company back from schwinn and otherwise we would have had to go overseas because you know at yeah. the time we were, had no uh, no designs on building a machine shop you know obviously rick has one now but um at the time like that wasn't even a thought
0: right yeah well i mean I feel like all that innovation had did it help make it easier to do the marketing side of things yeah it did but
1: you know we we never talked about the products <laughs> that's <clears throat> um we really very rarely showed the products in our advertising it was mostly um all uh attitude and style you know yeah Uh, you know being a 20 year old guy I made I made designs and things that would appeal to me and there was nothing about seeing a pair of forks on a page that excited me you know Mm
2: -hmm. so
1: you know so we'd have people dressed up or we did crazy stuff i mean we got ride bmx in so much trouble <laughs> with our ads so um one time we we convinced brad so what we did is we did a fakes a fake bmx plus cover for um for an ad and i think we called it like bmx puss or something and, <laughs> and it said like <clears throat> it had like this salacious like tmz style headlines and Goofy stuff and like uh, And like A a barcode that was actually like a Sex line number and uh, And so like uh, It was just all just wacky anything we were Thinking of we just threw it all in there and then We convinced Brad to print it upside Down on the back of Ride magazine
0: Oh no and, way <laughs> and,
1: uh, and so what ha- We thought it would be super funny because you know You know you get it and you'd be like What's this oh my god it's so funny you know it's like Two magazines in one Um, But apparently, like when it went out to distributors to like Barnes and Noble and all that stuff, they were putting the magazine (laughs) the wrong way. And I remember getting a frantic call from Brad, just so mad at us, like, you've screwed me. And "Ah, like, what? Like, no, like, I I had no idea this would blow up. Like it was it was a mess. And, And BMX Plus after that wouldn't even like refer to us ever again. They were so mad at us. Um, wow. cause we were making fun of them and, uh, but that was it. Like that was the whole thing was like, how could we, um, how could we do stuff that would be interesting to us would get us excited and stuff that we thought was funny. And, and then turns out like a lot of other people thought it was really interesting and funny, you know, cause if you look at the designs, like they started out very, you know trying to seem professional but they i moved very quickly to more of a paramilitary sort of um look and feel with a lot of things right like we took you know we had like apache helicopters on shirts and um motors and you know nothing to do with bmx but it was all the stuff that we were interested in. i mean we're already on a bmx bike why do i need a shirt that shows a bmx bike on it you know what i mean it just seemed yeah. it just seemed dumb to us like we're like, let's show cool stuff, like, uh, you know, um, and things we're into, right? So that's that was kind of the the genesis.
0: Huh. So knowing everything you know today about marketing, how do you look at that approach from your perspective today? Oh,
1: I think it's great. I mean, if you there's a great um, Steve Jobs um, thing where he <clears throat> talks about why Apple became so big and why Nike became so big. And he says exactly that like they show you what they're about not what the product is and Hmm. so standard was you know at least in um, we knew the product was good yeah but just going out and being to other people like this is better than whatever else right um look at how much better this is than that bike um like nobody it, it didn't matter like we knew it was good so we didn't have to talk about it being good and so but what we wanted people to really understand is like what what did we stand for? What were we into, right? Um, and you know, it was for having a great time and smashing things and having fun and you know, um, and being taken seriously. You know, that was that was important.
0: Well, I definitely think it worked, considering yeah. that standards still around to this day. Still
1: around. Yep.
0: The Standard Army is still strong.
1: Yeah, the Standard Army. Um, yeah, I mean, they're like all that stuff, right? Like we had the Standard Army. There was a big series where we did Standard Country, right? You know, kind of built off the Marlboro Country, for those of you who remember the cigarette yeah. stuff. Um, but that was it. Like we were selling an image, an idea, right? The products were good. So, you know, show it. You know, and you you see it. They have them day, right, where it's got like, you know, this new sprocket and there's all technical drawings of it and little arrows that point to like how it's machined within a point zero 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 millimeter of like, yeah, whatever. Like, you know, show me what people can do on that hub. Yeah. <laughs> you know, cause that's what I want. You know,
0: I've never even thought about BMX from that perspective. I'm sitting here thinking back to all my news where I'm talking about a product promo and I'm like, yeah, but they didn't even show the product in the promo. Like it's literally just some dude riding a bike.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, and again, there's, there's pros and cons to that. Right. So, I mean, we did have like a catalog and then eventually an online thing that did have specs and Mm -hmm. all of that stuff. Right. But that wasn't the first thing you were presented with. You had to be interested in what, what is this thing? And then you look a little deeper and you're like, Oh, okay. Yeah, I see. Like, you know it's got this kind of geometry and it's got this patent pending dropouts you know and yeah blah, blah blah so huh you know um but it was fun yeah i spent most of my i mean rick was completely responsible for um the actual bike stuff you know the parts yeah. and the, the the choices there like obviously i would ride them and test them out and be like you know oh this rear end's too short can't spin you know um Whatever, but, um, but he was a, still is. I mean, he's a genius when it comes to bike geometry. So, um, so that's one thing that made them last so long, right? I mean, still, even SCAs to this day, you'll see people on a stronger than all that, you know, they're fantastic. They'll last forever too.
0: Yeah. So, how much did that affect or like make riding? even better whenever you immediately switch to these bikes that were just all of a sudden way better. And you'd have to worry about breaking the bike.
1: Yeah. It was, I was, it was a, it was a whole new world. Like it took a while because you know, you were used to when you'd slam on something, you'd be like, Oh man, my bars are bent or, um, the forks are raked for sure. You know, mm-hmm. um, or my rear dropouts are twist, you know, rear triangles twisted. I know it. Um, And no, it like, you know, because I was learning, you know, I'd learned 720s on old Haro and I twisted so many rear triangles, um, learning them that when now you just have this level of confidence going into much harder, uh, tricks, then you felt you could go bigger because you just had, you had more confidence that your fork wasn't going to snap out from underneath you as you come down. Right. Yeah. So you were more focused on your, on the tricks. And that's when I think, I think that's what helped progression move very quickly. Cause if you look at all the progression up to like kind of 1990, mm-hmm. and then you look at the mid nineties to the two thousands, like it is, it's a very different type of riding that there was beforehand. And I attribute a lot of that to the, to the, to the confidence people had on the bikes at the time.
0: That makes total sense. I could see exactly where that would, come from just in the fact that you don't have to worry so much and you yeah. can focus <clears throat> on what you're doing not like what am i gonna do when my yeah. frame snaps when i land right now
1: right exactly and it and it was and honestly it was better for right it was cheaper because i mean i remember some industry we went to interbike and some industry people were like that's the dumbest thing i've ever heard of you know a bike with like that won't break like how do you sell other how do you sell that kid more of them you know and it was like, no, no, that's not, that's not our business model. <laughs> like, um, uh, is to sell throwaway, uh, bikes, you know? Um, and, uh, but you saw like that again, like, you know, kids younger were coming up because they could crash and throw their bike and it wouldn't break. And so they wouldn't all of a sudden have to go back to their mom or dad or, uh, whoever and say, uh, I need new handlebars well we don't have any money for that you know
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, you know and um and uh you know that's i mean skateboarding is such an easy entry sport it's like 150 bucks and boom you're off to the races you're doing tricks and yep you know but bmx it's like oh this is 700 dollars like you know like yeah and so you break something and you know you're 18 years old and you know what do you do like you your job at your part-time job at starbucks help with that like no
0: yeah right exactly you break a frame and you gotta it, when you do eventually break a frame these days it's gonna cost you it is 400 cost. bucks or 500 bucks today just to get yep. a new one and yep. that's definitely a barrier to entry
1: it is and that's one reason why bmx has always been smaller than skateboarding or scootering or all these other things it's just it's just a higher cost of entry. You know, I know so many people
2: <clears throat>
1: over the years that I run into and, and they're like, yeah, I used to ride bikes and just, you know, I just couldn't afford it. And, you know, like after a while and, and I'm like, what's this $3,000 mountain bike you have here? Well, now <laughs> I'm, well now I'm 37 and I have disposable income and I'm not going to buy a BMX bike. I'm going to get a mountain bike. Right. So, yep. um, I think, uh, I don't remember who was recently on your show that talked about, um, about that, but it was a really interesting conversation about, um, about how, you know, that isn't BMX, isn't like in the mix as much as choices as scootering and things like that. When you're at that prime age of, you know, meeting up with friends and stuff, right. Cause BMX to me, like, was about friends first and tricks second, mm. um, until I turned professional and then it all flipped on its head. Right. But, <laughs> um, but, uh, um, but then you know it became a you know what i mean like if it was <clears throat> if i'd run into a bunch of kids with scooters i'd probably be scootering i don't know
0: yeah yeah it was it was the thing that presented itself like if that if yeah. that person who had been doing the the hops or whatever you, they were called yeah. i forget the name but if that had been a guy on a skateboard doing right. kickflips or something yep we there wouldn't be as much fakey freak <laughs> coast- <laughs> coaster progression and maybe BMX. that'd be a good thing tj henderson would uh be yeah. totally different
1: <laughs> yeah he's so great isn't he
0: oh my goodness he is amazing and such an awesome person
1: yeah oh no 100 percent. yeah uh, yeah yeah the um yeah the, that's why i say like um you know again everybody has different opinions and crystal balls and whatever i'm just you know that was my experience so um you know, It's an expensive sport to, to really get into.
0: Yeah, there's so. no doubt about that. And, I mean, to close the chapter talking about standard, yeah. I, I listened to a podcast today that you did in 2009.
2: Ooh.
0: Yeah. I was actually Ooh. really liked listening to that. But you kind of mentioned a little bit, but it seemed like what you were talking about is that life kind of opened a new chapter for you. And, yeah. And, and I don't know if you want to talk about that at all.
1: Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, like I said, the, um, you know, turning pro and and doing that and competing and stuff just grinded on me really quickly. I didn't like the idea of, I liked, um, competition, but I didn't like competing. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, I didn't. And then when the X games showed up and like, they wouldn't even let you practice like the day before and things like, I was like, that's it. Like, if this is the future of this, like, That's this is that's a show. That's like worldwide wrestling yeah. to me. Um it's not me and people I know trying to out trick each other. That's a different that's a different thing. That's that's what the rampage contests and the two hip contests and the Hoffman contests, you know. Um they were people that knew each other, you didn't really hang out each other. You probably, you know, you didn't necessarily not dislike each other, but it wasn't like you were going on trips together, mm-hmm. but <clears throat> you respected each other and and you just tried to out trick each other, and that was the that was the thing. Versus what X Games and all that stuff did. And again, nothing against the people that are in those things. I go, I enjoy those things. I you know I've been to a bunch of X Games. <clears throat> it's great for those for those folks. It just wasn't for me. So,
2: yeah.
1: um, but I was so um, I started to get so um, excited about design as a career and, um, and development. Cause I got into software development as well. And that really scratched a creative itch I had. And at the time, to be honest, like, um, it sucked to go bike riding. Like I would go to a place and there'd be a bunch of dudes there and, um, and then I'd start riding with them. And then all of a sudden, after maybe 15 minutes, everybody stopped riding and so it was just me riding and then i realized like oh i'm putting on a show i, I guess um, um and so that started to happen pretty regularly like i so i couldn't so if i went somewhere i'd have to ride by myself or or with people that were not necessarily at a level to push me all the time mm-hmm. right cuz like you ride with Moliterno every day like you are getting pushed like right you know like you you know you, you just trying to keep you know him in in your line of sight is takes everything you got right so coming from that and then moving into sort of um this more sort of casual thing but now like you know i've been in magazines and i've been in videos and people knew who i was before i showed up more people knew who i was than i knew who they were right it was a weird feeling you know um so so it wasn't fun to go riding with folks anymore. And like I said, that was part of the huge fun that I loved about bike riding. So, um, so what I got more interested in was the design and development side of things. And so eventually like, um, I went to school for design, um, night school. And, uh, and it was really hard transitioning from an athlete to like the real world. Right. Um, because it didn't work the same. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, um, and then uh, it was cool because the school actually offered me a job teaching, so I taught there for a little while. And then I went to work for a bunch of agencies, and then about six years ago, me and uh, a couple other people started this agency called Foundry, um, which I'm at now. I'm the president of, and it's we're about 30 people in size, and we do custom software development and design um, as an agency. Um, so user experience design, mobile app design, all that stuff. So. Um, that's what i spend my days doing
0: that's pretty awesome yeah i'm i'm curious if we i don't know talk about like how this whole going away from standard to do that happened to
1: uh yeah well i mean honestly there's no people problems Brant. there's only communication problems
0: (laughs) so i mean that's true
1: So, so um, um, I think what ended up happening was, you know, so I was living down there and I was working every day with Rick and, um, and uh, then my father had gotten diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. um, And I was like, I've always been um, really close to my father. He was my hero. Um, And so when I found that out, I was like, well, I want to go and be around him more. So we had just literally just gotten email, like the email was like so brand new, but we were like figuring out how to use it. Mm-hmm. So um, I decided I was going to move back and then I would work from, you know, Minnesota or whatever. And then just over the course of a year or so of doing that, like just the things broke down, right? Like things were moving fast down there. I wasn't a part of every conversation. Um, you know, it just kind of the communication just broke down. And then I was like, yeah, you know what? Like, I'm not really into this bike company stuff anymore. Yeah. You know? And to be honest, like, when I was younger, like, I was way more arrogant and just an idiot, too. So, you know, I was kind of a spoiled kid. And, you know, I learned a lot from um, doing the bike company and um, being around the industry taught me a lot more about um, what my self-worth actually was and Mm -hmm. um, being more humble, you know? Um, Yeah. But, you know, to be honest, and not to ramble, but like, you know, I was bullied a lot as a kid, like a little kid. And so I had built up quite a chip in my teens, you know, and uh, so I was quick to, I was quick to go after folks who showed any signs of that stuff. And, yeah. and sometimes you just end up, because if you grow up around that, you just end up looking for it. <laughs>
2: uh,
1: and even then when it's not there, you see it. So anyways, yeah. Um, so the communication just kind of broke down and I was like, you know what? Like I'm, I'm not having fun. I don't want to do the contests anymore. I don't want to do X games. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, uh, and, um, and, uh, and I feel like kind of an alien when I go back to the bike company, cause I'm not there working every day with everybody else. So it just made sense for me just to step back. But then about two, two or three years later, I joined back up, Rick hired me, as the creative director for a number of years um so i came back and i designed shirts and stickers and um you know and that's when we did like rolling on the river video and things like that so
0: okay that'll make sense yeah so i want to go back and talk about riding. we have talked very little about riding at this point (laughs) i don't know how it's possible but uh you are a lip trick guy I want to know, did that just like, is that where you naturally kind yeah. of went? Because obviously I saw these videos from 87 and in that point in time where you, if you're doing a lip trick, it's on a freaking massive ramp. Yeah. So like, yeah. Where, how, how do you go from that type of riding to doing a, you know, a, a three tap bar spin to fakey <laughs> right. or a street spot?
1: <clears throat> well, it goes back to kind of what, how we grew up, like, um, in, because at those contests everybody competed in everything you competed in flatland and you competed in ramp it was mm-hmm. very it was actually very rare if somebody only did ramp or only did flatland that was actually much more rare whereas nowadays right it's it's really rare um who's that guy that i really like matthias uh the fr- french guy yeah f- like, flatland mm, street he's guy He's a badass i love that guy um i've never met him but like it's just like he's you know what I mean? Like, he can, there isn't anything he can't ride, sort of guy. Mm-hmm. And you kind of had to be that person back then, right? So, so when it came down to doing flatland tricks on top of ramps, like it just made sense, right? So, you know, um, yep. and because, you know, you already had the balance from the flatland and you already had the balls from being able to go up ramps. So, um, and I always liked jumping. Jumping was like my favorite thing to do. Um, but I loved the, um, I, I just love the choreography of um lip tricks. And um and again riding with Rick, I mean we'd be there ten hours a day. Yep. Riding on a mini ramp and just pushing each other like Rick would do a three sixty and then I'd try a five forty and then he'd pull the five forty and then I'd have to spend the rest of the night trying the five forty and then he'd do the <laughs> and then he'd do the five forty no footed, you know, and then I'd be like, Okay, I'm gonna do no footed can cam five forty and and it would just go 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 you know and um and i mean you were thinking of tricks i mean i would get up in the middle of the night and drive down to the skate park and open it up and be like oh um like one night like i was like i bet on the you know on the double coping spine i could jump over to ice pick mm. and then fakie out and uh and so that night like i i made up that trick and did it for the first time and then i was like oh and if I lean back in, I can jump over ice pick and then back in. And then I remember like the next day, like unveiling it, you know, to Rick, like I was out, like, yeah. <laughs> you know, so awesome. <clears throat> um, and he was like, don't come here at night anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, um, punk. <clears throat> but uh, it was things like that, right? So it was constant. What can we make? What can we do Um, with this, right? Because it'd be like, because, um, the benefit of lip tricks is is that crashing can teach you new tricks.
0: Oh yeah, right.
1: Right. So you're like, "Oh, wait a second, the bike turned this way. I bet if I hooked my pedal there, I could spin out of that or you know what I mean?" So uh-huh. it, done like jumping, like jumping when you crash, you'd like you eat it, you know. Yep. Um whereas lip tricks can actually screwing them up can open new doors because you're like, "Oh, the physics of this is possible, right? Like I could do, I don't have to do a tailwind nose pick. I can do a boomerang nose pick because I just kick the bike the other way or whatever. So, and that's where like backwards stuff and all that things started the same way. It was like, oh, these physics just make sense. So yeah, let's just do it.
0: Yeah, and and we'll get there. We'll get to the backwards stuff. I, I know exactly what you're talking about though, just with filming some of the stuff I do where it's like, oh, I messed that up, but this goes this way and and it's funny so you were intentionally inventing lip tricks but it was more so like did you know that nobody else had done this before or was it more so just like all right i'm competing with Rick and it just so happens that it's something no one's ever done yeah
1: you know it wasn't where we were never really thinking about other people like it was it was really like um us versus ourselves yeah and- more than anything um but yeah i would go to contests and do stuff and people would be like holy crap and i'd be like what you you never done that like yeah it would be surprising to me sometimes like i remember the first time and again i don't mean to go down the backwards but the first time i did like a backwards thing at a hoffman contest i remember thinking like somebody had dropped i was like miran must have dropped in and done something over the mm-hmm. spine while i was here because of the way the crowd erupted it was so like loud and then i realized like i'm the only person there i i didn't realize like everybody lost it when they saw that and that to me i was like i've been doing this for you know a while like and 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 to be honest i felt like at least a, a quarter of the people in the in the audience or the you know watching had seen it before too i don't know so
0: yeah, well, I it's just so cool to hear about that because that almost feels like the most pure thing of just like you guys are competing against each other and it just so happened to be that nobody else in the world had done this stuff before that. I don't know. I, I think it's so amazing that that is the result and like even uh John Bolt in the chat here said you blew all of our minds when you came to the King of Concrete in 93. <laughs>
1: Yeah. When I went to England, for example, like it was it was so intimidating because I'd never ridden in a foreign country before, but it's like Britain. So you're like, "Ah," you know, it's kind of like the U.S., but, um, you know, with not no ice in the drinks. Um, (laughs) So so I would uh, so I went, you know, I remember riding and like nobody talked to me like nobody talked to me. Nobody would talk to me. You know, I'm up on. I'm being a goofy guy. I'm up on the deck. You know, hey, you know, woo, you know,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, and and uh, a lot. You know, plus, there, well, I guess there was a lot of Germans up there too, so they were very serious. Um, and um, but I remember, like, um, I was practicing and I was doing stuff. And nobody says anything, and then I do my run, and like the whole place is like losing it, like, <laughs> you know, yeah, <clears throat> and to be honest like some of the stuff i was doing was like you know um i didn't feel like it was um i don't know i mean it was stuff we were doing all the time right like no footed no footed nose wheelie across the deck um you know 540 tail tap bus driver in with no tail tap right because that was the thing like rick and me would get on each other's like ass about, i was gonna
0: ask about this
1: about hops and stuff like that like it had to be clean like it didn't count if it was if there was hops or pedaling or like we like it was like dead serious at at um for years there like it was like that that's not considered pulling a trick so it was, yes. it was a weird it's a weird time man that's not weird
0: <laughs> at all because myself and my buddy sponge filming for lip lords our video series it's all on that one quarter pipe with just lip tricks yeah. and that is our mindset if and and it changes for him with a five tap because he's brakeless, so he just gets one hop sure. because he's brakeless. but yeah. if you watch that video series there are very 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 like the most minimal amount of tricks that have any kind of hop or correction in them <clears throat> yeah and i noticed that about your videos when i was watching today i was like i wonder if this is intentional because everything is perfect
1: yeah 100 percent. like it was um and so because you would do you know you would like i said we that's all we did like 10 13 hours a day for years i mean that's all we did was was ride those those ramps i mean we didn't we didn't go out we didn't go get drunk you know um we didn't uh, go partying. I mean, we did, but, like, you know, not too much, and we wouldn't drink at the party. we just, like, set something on fire or somebody would poop on the hood of a car or something. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, whatever. Like, we got rowdy, but, like, we were back in, you know, the lab, as they <laughs> say, the next day, you know, so.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um. I love it. But, yeah, they, yeah no, like, um, going to England was such a, such a, such a fun time i mean they were just so gracious you know after um, we got to ride and it was great because mira was there with us and we i didn't even know he was coming and mira had stayed with us in iowa for a while um because before he started his bike company and stuff like he was rick was kind of courting him to come on standard and um and uh and you know um mira was really into cars and rick and i were really into cars and so we just bonded a lot and it was just so great showing up him showing up there and um trying to go find food that wasn't like beans and oh. toast, you know. Like it was fun. Sorry, John. Um, <laughs> He's but, here now. Uh, he understands. Um it was it was good. It was a good time and yeah, and I got to meet such fabulous people like John and uh now I've had, you know, uh friendship forever because of that. So
0: Yeah. That's so cool. So Alright, let's talk about the coaster
1: Okay, yeah Let's
0: talk about the coaster So Let's talk about it When d- did you just realize randomly That you could do this stuff from a fakie Or what? Like how did this even work?
1: No, I mean when I grew up So growing up with that first couple of bikes Like we lived on a on a House that had a really steep driveway And so Since I could ride my bike I was always trying to like roll backwards Down the thing, right? Mm -hmm. And then as I got older and older, like it became, you know, like, let's see how far down the road I can Mm -hmm. go backwards, you know? And it just became a thing you did when you got bored of trying to learn tail whips or whatever, like you just sit there and tool around with that stuff. Right. But what I didn't realize is like, you know, you're training your, your muscles, um, over and over again to get better and better at that stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. And then, um, and I'd always thought about, you know, doing some backwards stuff and then, um, I remember early, like 89 going down to ride with Rick at rampage and he was doing stuff where he would be, he'd be going at a, at a mini and he'd do a 180 and he'd roll up backwards and he'd like nose pick and then Mm -hmm. come in and stuff. And I was like, Oh, that's kind of cool. And you know, um, and then all of a sudden like it became more normal to have spine ramps that had ramps facing each other. Um, so I started trying to do more of that stuff and, um, and uh, but yeah, I realized like, um, like the bike, the, it's perfectly not the it's just a matter of speed really. It's perfectly natural. You can do you can do anything. You're going forwards, You can do it going backwards. It's just, it's just really how fast can you get going? Yeah, <laughs> you
0: know? and we have people like T J. and yeah. Bobby Altizer. Yeah, shows. it's crazy
1: for me to watch these guys because they're all stand-up rollback, which freaks me out, man. And you
0: sat down for it Oh, all. yeah,
1: no, I had to sit. I mean, I couldn't stand up like those guys. Like, that's crazy.
0: <laughs> My buddy Jeff Mead, he sits down. He does similar fakie stuff, too, yeah. and he sits down for his. But, I, yeah, thinking about it, Bobby and TJ stand up.
1: <clears throat> <clears throat> yeah, because, I mean, the, the hardest thing with the backwards stuff is that you, um, you have to think about it as two separate tricks. There is no one trick. There is the backwards part and then there is doing the trick mm. so so if you're thinking what i what i realized if i was thinking about doing the trick while i'm rolling backwards i would screw it up every time but if i focused on the rollback and then as it hit the ramp then i'd switch my focus to now i'm going to do like a tail whip or a nose pick or whatever like um then it worked re- really um almost every time And so it was really became more about a mindset of realizing it's two tricks at the same time. Um, And I don't mean like a double tail whip type of two tricks at the same time. Like it's two very separate things.
0: It's like sequential.
1: Yeah. Right. So like a tail whip and a bar spin. Right. So you can't, you have to focus on doing the tail whip, catch it, and then you can think about doing the bar spin, you know?
0: Yeah. I mean, so
1: same with backwards stuff
0: just like any trick you do in a five tap where you right. you hit the five tap and you wait till you get to the right spot to do the other trick and yep. then it yeah it makes sense that might yep. help me because I swear it feels impossible to I just want to do a fakie to double peg and then I'll be able to go from there and I just cannot get the pop off of the ramp to get in the right spot
1: yeah yeah start just try starting lower that's what I would tell you Lower on the ramp um, than higher on the ramp. It's really, it's it's much easier when you're going up to, to go from the first third of the ramp up to the top than it is to go from the last two thirds up to the top. Because your your momentum wants to keep carrying you over. Mm. Um, the higher up the ramp you go, so if you try to hop earlier at the at the base, you'll get up. It'll it'll bring you up more than it'll bring you over.
0: Interesting. So this just became a how to and thank you because <laughs> I need it. I really want to do I want to be able to do a fakie into one of my ice picks and do yeah. all the crazy stuff, but I can't.
1: Raise so, that, raise that seat post and sit down. That's what I'll tell you.
0: Oh man, I think I wouldn't be able to fakie sitting down. <laughs>
1: That's I really the only way I could, it's the only way to do it. And the funny thing is is with the coaster, um because I remember like the East Coast guys, um, they weren't so as impressed with the rollbacks as they were manuals. Like I would do manuals all over the place, and they were like, "How do you manual with the coaster?" <laughs> like I have no, no clue how that works. And I was like, "Oh, I don't know. I just I've always learned to wheelie and manual with a coaster." Like,
0: you that's know, that's
1: funny. Because because S- with the backward stuff with a coaster, if you sit down, you can lighten your your feet on the on the pedals, right? So you're not. Mm. So you're not like as much when you're sitting. Yeah. That's what's so hard about the stand up ones. I mean, I guess probably today the free coasters are much more um they're much better in terms of their play. Yeah. Um, um but at the time, like free coasters like if you even just if you even thought about moving your foot forward, they catch in like right. a second, you know. Um uh so um at the time like uh the coaster was the best for me to do the backwards stuff because i you know you come down and you just pump down as hard as you can um you know with all your weight going forward as you're coming down the ramp and then you know you just you just immediately kind of slide back into your seat
2: Mm -hmm. and
1: then you lift you know you lighten up your your feet and you just kind of look over your shoulder and as soon as you hit that ramp you pop and then you go it's great it's great well it was the most fun ever like uh, honestly i i at one point like i just all i wanted to do was ride backwards i didn't like riding forwards anymore like
0: you could tell from your videos
1: yeah it was just way more fun it was just way more challenging you know what i mean like um
0: so what you're saying is that you mastered riding bikes going forwards (laughs) and it got too boring so you had to start over going backwards it's quite the opposite that's
1: what i told people all the time like i i couldn't do very good forward tricks so i had to come up with backwards stuff um and get good at that so Um, but that was the thing. Yeah. Like, um, yeah, I did get known for a lot of that stuff, but you know, I mean, I still, um, if you look at some of the other videos, like I, I was pretty good
0: jumping. Oh, for sure. You're doing sevens and and three um, turndowns and truck drivers. And yeah, no, it was fun. Like I,
1: I enjoyed, I enjoyed that stuff. So, um, but like I said, like eventually like that became like what I was really passionate about. And then again, thinking about going to the X games at the time where everybody's like flipping, And and flopping and whatever over Mm -hmm. jump boxes like, you know, I wasn't gonna stand out, um, you know, just doing some backwards stuff in this. Like I think the the riders would care about it, but ESPN wouldn't care about it, you know. And yeah, what else? What's the other point of being there other than to get on TV?
0: Yeah, it's kind of interesting to me to hear all of how conscious you were of the the career and business side of being a professional writer and like hearing in that podcast talking about your your awareness of how the main photographers are in these spots and they're gonna be in this spot so you go to where they're gonna be and I don't know I, I think that there's so much of an emphasis put on just like letting things be as they are and and obviously the freestyle aspect of it but there's also something to be said of like if you want to make this happen there's an element of being aware of how that was
1: my goal like i was i wanted to become a professional bike rider like in all respects yeah you know because like i remember i remember like one of um the only minnesotan at the time who ever went to california and turned pro came back and um, and told my friend Dale who I was riding with all the time. He's like, yeah, and you got to come out. You got to be, you know, it's amazing being on California. I was just in freestyle and 101 tricks video, blah, blah, blah. And, um, Dale's like, great. Yeah. Maybe me and Kurt should come out. And he was like, yeah, I don't think Kurt's gonna fake it. Oh, you
0: know, that's motivation. right this.
1: there. <clears throat> oh, it was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was motivation enough that I went inside the house and cried. Um, I was so upset. Um, and uh, and my mom actually went out and kicked the guy out of the yard. <laughs> <laughs> no
2: way.
1: <laughs> so not only was I embarrassed that I was like crying about like literally crying, but then my mom kicked out like this pro bike rider out of the backyard. Um,
0: How many other people could say that? That is right? hilarious.
1: That's uh, so ridiculous. But, at the you know, at the time like that was like somebody saying, like, you'll never walk again or you know what I mean? Like it was Oh, just... yeah. It's serious. So <clears throat> so it was it was crushing to me because that's all I wanted um, to do was be a professional bike rider so to your point I, had to, I I became a student of what it became to become a professional bike rider it wasn't just about the stuff I mean I was lucky because I had relationships with old, um, uh, guys in a senior class to me like Moloterno mm-hmm. and Wilkerson and um, um, uh, you know just a bunch of the guys you know <clears throat> that would tell you things and show you things you know yep. they were like yeah they were like that don't worry about that so much worry about this and you know um
0: yeah and so
1: there was a bit more mentorship at the time
0: to i that's what i really try and push with some of the stuff i do and just like trying to guide people because so many people try to say like oh there's no blueprint to being a professional bmx rider that's bs because there's definitely a blueprint to it so like to mold my model even further it's like Yes, be yourself one hundred percent. But you can yeah. also set yourself up by oh, if you're at the park or you're at the contest and you see the photographer, hey, I got something for you. Yep.
1: Yep. Exactly. Yeah. No, you have to. You have to be. Um, if you look at some of the more famous people, like they're all they're all good at what they're doing, but they're also show showmen. Mm-hmm. You know, like they put on a show. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that's exciting. I mean, look at look at even people that um, people never considered as good as a, you know, a Matt Hoffman or Jay Mira or whatever, uh, but they're still remembered and loved to this day because they put on a damn good show. Yeah, and, and they got people excited about what it meant to be a bike rider, and you know, um, you know, you know, so like that's that's super valuable. But again, yeah, to your point, like there is foundational aspect of like you go through these hoops you can go through them upside down you can go through them backwards you can do but you got to go through these hoops you got to get coverage Mm -hmm. you got to get a sponsor you got to win some contests um you got to be in some videos you got to upload um you got to be consistent when it comes to whatever like you can do it but it's you know but again it's um you know it's up to you it's nobody's coming there's no bmx fairy that's going to come down and just sprinkle dust on you and all of a sudden you know you've got a signature shoe
0: there's very very few chosen people who that happens with in bmx and it's yep. like a a perfect storm of like they had magically not been seen up until this point yeah, and, right? and yes. they just got to be this super incredible writer i feel like mm-hmm. that happened with the kid a couple years ago josh dove from okay. Australia, who's just like totally mind-blowing. And then all of a sudden he shows up. Same with uh Corey Walsh, similar similar yeah. type deal where like he's just totally incredible but somehow kind of uncovered or not been oh, seen people yet. People love
1: those stories, man. I remember Josh White was the same thing when I was younger. Like all of a sudden it was like this guy out of the middle of nowhere in Oregon is better than Mike Dominguez. Like yeah. what? Yeah. Like, Nobody ever heard of him. It was crazy. People love those stories. But again, it's the, the media is pushing it and hyping it up too. Right. And so it was up to Josh to lean into that hype. Do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Like he could have
1: pushed back on it and been like, no, look, I've actually been to a bunch of contests. People like, you know, I just haven't been in a magazine before. It's not like I'm some, I've actually been You know, like they say overnight success takes 20 years to get there. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, the, um, But you look at, but again, like it's those people that um, do that, and then they get put on these pedestals, and then what do we love to do? We love to just throw some damn rocks at those those guys, (laughs) you know. As soon as they start getting like that signature Adidas shoe, and they're featured in like a Super Bowl commercial, like man, we love to hate those guys. We love to go in and just knock them. Knock them down because jealousy is so real when it comes in, and that was something like I was so glad social media wasn't a part of when I
2: was. Oh, yeah, uh, when I was
1: when I was uh, doing stuff. Because yeah, you mean there was definitely haters, and it wasn't because of your writing. Like it was because you were on standard, or um, you were from the Midwest.
0: You know. Yeah, Uh, the haters just couldn't be as loud back then. Yeah, but I mean, again,
1: like we all know what it was. I mean, it was just guys who who couldn't you know they not they couldn't get attention from their bike riding so they got attention from
0: being dicks yep and that still oh. exists to this day no no really i don't believe it listen <laughs> why'd you keep riding a coaster even though they were so bad
1: <laughs> yeah yeah right exactly <clears throat> um well and again i remember like i remember a guy i don't know while saying well yeah you know i mean of course, you could do a bunch of that stuff because you were sitting on your coaster. I'm like, here, here's a coaster break. Go try it,
0: dude. They're deadly. They will kill you.
1: <laughs> like, you know, if you think if you think it's easy, here's my bike. Go, go try it. Show mm-hmm. me. And they'd be like, no, I'm not. I remember being in St. Louis. Some dickhead was like, you know, yeah, well, I probably could do that stuff on a coaster. I'm like, here, man, here's my bike. Go. Yeah. And I remember he's like, OK. And he like, I, I think he dropped in and just flipped, like flipped over the bars first thing he activated the coaster on the way down and he just ate it and i was like that shut you up
0: yeah coasters are dangerous that's like a real question like did you just love the tricks enough to deal with how bad they were
1: no it it did it wasn't bad for me it was it riding a freewheel was dangerous for me like right like not having the um the comfort of being able to just stop myself on a dime yeah. was was um so scary to me. Um because in my like I told you in my race days when I was riding freewheel, I had so many scars on my shin from slipping a pedal and then that pedal just nailing me. And this is way before we had shin guards and hammer guards and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So you were just taking it, man. You were taking those spiked pedals to the shin. Oh shit. my god. And like in like that, you were just, you know, there was no you know and so so to me um the ability to stop that from happening because that was you know that was the thing i you know what i mean like you don't slip a a grip you slip a pedal Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know what i mean you don't you don't slip your seat you slip a pedal you know so so to me like having the coaster was just way it just felt way more um i felt way more solid
0: that makes sense i was more so talking about like the quality of them did they oh, work God, yeah did... they were terrible yeah, yeah you just you loved it enough and you felt like the ter- mm. the positives were worth the... well you'd get you'd have
1: to get them and you have to weld them because you'd have to weld the um the arm to the to the nut like every yeah. they always needed to be modified and um and you always had to have like five or six of them sitting around you know because mm-hmm. depending on what you were learning like and then when you put the new one in, the brakes were so sensitive, um, that it would take a couple of weeks to wear them down because then you were even, even if you were great at coaster, like you were still catching your, yourself, you know, um, that's scary. and doing whatever. But, um, but yeah, it, yeah, I don't know. You just got used to it, you know?
0: Yeah. you. So you dealt with a lot of the crap with them. Like it was oh, yeah. worth, that's. Ooh, yeah. I've, I mean, even today, there's a couple people who still have one that's floating around. Like my buddy Trevor ended up borrowing Brett Downs' coaster brake, and he yeah. like he had it on for a little while, and then he just sent it back. <laughs> like, <laughs> enough yeah. of
1: that. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, again, I think it's also different. Like, you know, because I ride my seat a little bit lower now, so with the free coaster it makes more sense. But with the seat higher, having the coaster feels better. Mm. Um. You know it's just about where your knee placement is and your how your legs sort of frame the bike um compared to like how much play you have in your wheels and the way it feels because again like if you're riding short ramps right you've got a lot of compression when you're hitting mm-hmm. them versus a big you know like a mega ramp right where like i don't even know why they put chains on those bikes like what's the or sprockets like just put some sticks and pedals and let's go like what's oh yeah you know um but for but for like you know riding minis and smaller ramps and things like that like all of all of those little details like moving your seat an inch um can make a world of difference
0: that yeah Uh, that makes sense so
1: you know if you're ever
0: having problems
1: um learning new tricks try moving your seat around that's the first thing i would say and then and then second change your change your sprocket Um, And maybe your caliper placement, like do some tweaks around your environment. You never know what could be actually messing with you. So,
0: yeah, there's been a couple of times where I've had to change my seat post height and my seat angle, actually. Yep. To even like the the five tap no foot can that I did a a while ago. Yep. I had to lift the seat and angle it downwards so that when it was upright, the seat was more flat and I was able to sit on it
1: yep exactly yeah so like um when i was learning um like uh miami hopper nose pick to bar spin um like um you know my i couldn't have my seat lower because i had to grab my seat yep and do a miami hopper in the middle of a nose pick and then i had to use the seat as a handle to help pull hold the bars up as i threw them to then to then land and so like i remember learning it and being like oh like i was constantly adjusting my seat to match to to make it to make it work you know
0: yeah how dialed did you have that
1: trick oh, I, easy it was easy after a while
0: all right it, people you hear that
1: it was it's not difficult it's not a it's not a, again it's two tricks you you know you first yes. learn the miami hopper like nose pick it's super easy to do like you know the bike kind of you know as soon as you let go of your hand your bike wants to do that it wants to twist Mm -hmm. together you know so so you don't really have to force it and then the next thing you do is you use the seat as kind of your handle and you pull up on it and throw the bars and
0: all right trevor i know you're listening to this trevor that's your mission the (laughs) miami hopper nose pick to bar he's the only person i know that does miami hoppers on the ramp anymore oh really yeah he'll do uh he'll do them on like a double coping spine where i'll put it yeah. on the the peg or he'll go up on a quarter and do it to fakie uh oh. he's done he did a 540 nose pick miami hopper
1: that's pretty sweet point.
0: yeah that one was crazy but, but yeah i yeah, just was to...
1: um yeah towards the end like i was doing nose wheelie miami hoppers you know like what to to like um to then bar spin in like on you know on like platform spines or whatever
0: oh you mean Uh, like rolling nose manual and then go into the hop
1: no no you you as soon as you get up you grab your seat and you lean way forward and you don't you don't crank the bars together as much you kind of they're still kind of askew
0: (laughs) you were rolling in a Miami Hopper
1: well sort of you know yeah it wasn't like a full-on like you know Dave Nori Miami Hopper you know whatever but um but yeah like holding on to the seat while comfortability thing it's not a difficult
0: thing okay you know. <laughs> i'm just it <laughs> just blows my mind to even think about that because i've tried to go into the motion of the miami hopper and i'm just like nope yeah well that was the thing
1: like because you know once you're learning how to jump things backwards it was like well how can i do backwards nose manuals backwards toothpick grinds mm. backwards manuals backwards ice pick grinds um opposite you know opposite peg manual or opposite peg uh, bar you know ice pick grind backwards you know like it was just you know you're on your bike so much like you know it's like oh i'm gonna learn everything the opposite way
0: now yeah. so um, what, what was your most like the unicorn trick of going like a backwards trick for you that you oh, pulled and maybe one that you didn't pull
1: yeah um one that i i don't think i ever fully landed was like um you know decade backwards decade over a spine um, so you go, it, you, it's basically like you go up, you go up backwards and then it's like an under, under whip.
0: Like you land back, you pull up back tire.
1: You pull up, you pull up back tire, under whip and, but you turn and then you come in straight yep. down the other side. Makes sense. So like a smoothie, but you know, whatever. Um, that was always, that was always challenging just because of the, I knew I could do it if I could get the speed to do it. But the thing was, is like every place I went, like the setups were so so difficult like i remember dan sieg had this great place up north of here um but it was a you know it was an eight foot quarter with a four foot box on it mm-hmm. that i'd have to do a bubacon to go and hit a six foot spine
0: oh my gosh
1: so like so he's traveling at super high speed and at the time i remember like i had a t1 for one of the you know an early t1 that that joe had given me and their rear triangle was so short you couldn't roll backwards on it like you would just immediately as soon as you started rolling backwards you just tip right over um and so that so finally i got i got off of that thing and got a bike with like a regular longer rear triangle. and i know why they did it because they love tail whips and stuff like Mm -hmm. so um but yeah i couldn't roll back with that short triangle so um so i was trying to learn it on this six foot quarter but it was just you know it's it's rare. it's a lot of work to jump up on a twelve foot uh you know, ramp just to for your setup, you know, do Oh move,
0: totally uh, makes like over
1: it isn't something you want to do like sixteen yeah. times in a day. So um mm. but yeah, there was things like that, like actually, you know, backwards bars or backwards tail whips, backwards bar spins, um landing um, backwards, you know, not trying to do it but not turn. Mm-hmm. in the air because um, that's the hardest thing to do with the back, those backwards things because your bike naturally wants to turn so doing 360s and half cabs and all that stuff is pretty natural because the bike wants to do that but, yeah. but holding it into a fakie that was the hardest that was the hardest thing so um, so probably yeah like um, uh, some of the hardest things were like the bus drivers and things like that and I only pulled small amounts of that stuff
0: so um, so you mean fakie up the quarter and then just do like a hop bus driver or no
1: no sorry um no like jumping jumping the spine and
0: oh and doing it in the air over the spine yeah. backwards holy <laughs> whoa yeah
1: no like and that's what i was saying like the decade and stuff right so yeah so you come up and the bike like i said the bike naturally wants to go like like
0: oh, this so you're talking a half Cab decade to go straight, yeah. Yeah, and then
1: you straight, you go straight in the bike. The bike wants to do it. Like you you just have to jump off the bike and turn away from it. Like whoa,
0: I thought you meant pull up onto the back tire on the spine and then pull a decade. You meant just a half straight up, half cab decade over a spine. Yeah. Oh my goodness, that would have been crazy.
1: Yeah, it was hard to it was hard to do because the way when you come back in. You're so over the front of the bike that, and then you're coming down. And since your knees are way up in the handlebars, like landing mm-hmm. like that is really hard to do anywhere close to the top. So you'd almost have to flat out to do it. And it just didn't feel good. Like it, I'm sure it looked cool, but it didn't feel good to do. So, yeah. um, but same with like, you know, but I could do, I, it, yeah, I could do bus drivers, like half cab bus drivers or the spine half cab um tail whips a few of those um half cab
0: 540s um and we're talking about big spines right like yeah holy crap dude that's um even today like if somebody had that in a video part today it would still be crazy
1: yeah it'd be awesome to see i'm that's the thing is like it's funny because i always felt like um a bit of a misfit because you know for years like after i stopped writing professionally like nobody started doing nobody was doing i just thought like oh if this is good people will start doing it mm-hmm. um
2: i think it's just but, too uh, hard
1: well i that i didn't think it wasn't it didn't seem hard to me it seemed like people weren't didn't appreciate it you know what i mean
0: like, yeah i get it
1: I... so so um, and not saying I never felt, appre- I, don't get me wrong. I, like it felt plenty appreciated. And I, uh, I still, you. I still do. I still, I still have people running at me like, oh my God, Kurtzman. Um, and, uh, and I'm like, I did this much in the sport, you know? So, um, the, uh, the thing for me is that, uh, you know, doing those types of that type of, that type of stuff just felt so much more um different it felt it felt like magic again
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know whereas um trying to do one more extra tail whip in a jump didn't feel like magic you know um, yeah like it's cool don't get me wrong I'm not coming down on those i don't want to be one of those old guys that's like, hey, guys in their flippity flops in their
0: <laughs> in their back flip triple in their cash their and... cash rolls
1: i got your cash roll um I think all that stuff's cool and i couldn't do it but um but it you know um that i would have had to be a different rider to to do that i would have had to been more of a an athlete like somebody who goes to the gym you Mm -hmm. know and has like some muscle milk and whatever you know what i mean like uh, like a serious athlete you know yeah Um,
0: and i don't know it kind of sounds like you just wouldn't have been yourself either no
1: no no i was a goofy skinny kid too tall to be riding bmx bikes No.
0: <laughs> so uh speaking of all this half cabbing and stuff i talked oh. to carl hinckley on the phone earlier <laughs> and yeah. he had a memory of seeing you half cab a whole box jump at yeah. the pit that yep. happened yep holy crap
1: <laughs> yeah it was great because they had i had an awesome like you know those turnaround wall rides right you know the short transition big long right yep. where you but they had one that had like a really nice it wasn't like a super short like a boom, you know like yeah it was like more gradual and so it went up like a good like 20 feet up the wall so i could really just get barreling backwards down the thing you know like i could just go try to get my touch my tire to the ceiling and just come wow like just and so Yeah, I was like, and I i didn't just jump. I think I cleared the whole box. I didn't like, wow, I I didn't just like hit the (laughs) transit, you know, because once you popped it just right, like you were, you were gone. Yeah, you're
0: sailing at that. Like
1: you're, yeah, exactly. You're sailing. So,
0: wow, I, I would love to see somebody half cab a whole entire box jump today.
1: Oh, man. What a, what a, what a feeling it was too. Uh, honestly, like again, going back to that, like, Cause back then, you know, I was doing backwards, like, um, you know, backwards 180 to Fufanu bar mm-hmm. spin, you know, I was starting to do more back wheel, uh, backwards stuff cause mm-hmm. that's when it got, that's when stuff got hard. Cause front wheel stuff, um, was easier just because I felt like, cause you're already, your body wants to move forward in the bike as you're coming yeah. up. Um, so back wheel stuff was like, that was like going to be the hotness. Right. So, um, learning how to do that, like backwards to like five forty tail tap and, and things like that, but you needed, like I said, you needed a you needed a setup ramp that was, like you know whatever.
0: It had to be just right. And there's a few places like that I could see someone doing. There's a couple places at rays I could see somebody half cabbing. Yeah, the the box jump in the resi room. I could definitely see somebody half cabbing that, especially because it's not a the the vert wall. That you turn yeah. around on is angled in that room, so it's even less of like a death to sure. th- okay. going straight up and straight back down. You're you're angled, so you're coming. Yeah, yeah I, that oh, would be that somebody, would be magical. Somebody, to, please to do it, someone.
1: Stuff. Yeah, somebody go, somebody go and do it, and then um, and then tag me.
0: Because when Carl told me that you half cabbed an entire box jump, I was just like, no <laughs> freaking way. That is I forgot crazy. About that. And like, how big of a box jump was that? Do oh, remember? I
1: don't remember. Like, I don't remember standard ninety size. This
0: was like, like eight, six, eight feet, eight feet maybe. Yeah. That's so far. Because I can't even half cab a pyramid. I try so hard. It. I'm. I'm. T- like, this is probably funny. For you to hear but like there's an indoor skate park that opened near here that had a perfect little quarter pipe and then there's a pillar on the wall and i would double tire that to fakie and then try to half cab this a-frame literally no gap it's a point sure and i could not do it for year. like i tried it multiple times i just couldn't do it and then finally i I got them somewhat down now but hearing a half cab over a whole Amazing. yeah was,
1: like I said like but again it's you know it's uh discipline man like I mean what else were we doing except for doing a boo because and rolling back up a a ramp like for mm-hmm. ten hours eight hours a day we'd stop go and have subway come back do it again you know like in seven days a week you know I mean yeah um I mean the bike company um was doing pretty good I mean we were making in the beginning like you know i mean just the axles alone were just making so much money like the original axles that we had sold mm-hmm. right because they would cost like they cost like pennies and then you'd sell them for like six dollars
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know and then the bike shop would mark them up to eight or ten and you know we were getting them in by the pallets because people love the heat treated axles because there was nobody else that had heat treated axles yeah yeah you know? so um and we were buying them in bulk, like, like literally, like half a train car, <laughs> you know, full of axles. Oh wow, he's <laughs> crazy, you know. Um, so yeah, um, um, the backward stuff for me has always been, uh, just something I'm really proud of because, you know, it was just like a journey that I went on that I just I tried to explore mm-hmm. how far can you go with this stuff, right? Because Rick was doing a bunch of backward stuff back in the day, but he, you know, he wasn't he wasn't um as a he didn't get obsessed it was just another thing for him you know mm-hmm. um and uh and uh but i just kept going and going and going because i was like this is really interesting to me you know um, oh
0: yeah and there's still only a few people who are really pushing and trying that stuff
1: apparently yeah i mean i i truly think more people could do it they just you know just got a he's got to work on it more i don't know
0: yeah <laughs> like, no, yeah you know?
1: it's not like doing a triple flip you know yeah
0: like, uh it's either, that's either do or die the, well yeah
1: yeah i'm mean, exactly like i i learned flips and i was like oh, this isn't fun to do like you know and i yeah. certainly don't want to do them in contests because i have to do one so
0: right i just got a really good question in the chat Jason Uh-oh. Taylor said, "Did Kurt ever get to ride with Rob Ridge?" No. Oh, what a no, shame! But I
1: followed Rob. I mean, we've been—I've been friends with him on Facebook forever, and uh, um, no, he was. I think he. I mean, we're we're probably not that. I mean, he's definitely younger than me, but we're not that far apart. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think I think I had moved away from like standard and all that stuff by the time Rob was really riding a lot more. But yeah, I follow. He does great stuff, like tons of great stuff. I um, watch all of his stuff on Facebook. We're friends on Facebook, so I yeah, like um, it's great. Like he's got, like exactly like what it looks like when you're watching route. That like that's, that's what it was like for us. Like you just sit there all day, riding on this spine, Mm -hmm. just trying shit like all day long, you know.
0: Yep, and his stuff. Is magical too. It is, yeah.
1: Totally. It is, yeah. Yeah. And he's in, he, and, uh, and, um, and he's got a good style about it too. You know, like he's he's not super stiff. And, you know, you see half these guys, they don't bend their knees. And it just looks like they're, I don't know, <laughs> looks like they had like a pipe up their butt. You
0: know? <laughs> yeah. I like, can, no, I can see that. You know, just and that was the thing, trick. like,
1: cause that's how I grew up was like BMX was, as much about style as it was tricks, you know? Mm-hmm. And then as it got more, it became more about tricks and less about style, right? And then, of course, there was always the people. Everybody everybody loves Brian Foster and everybody loves Chase Hawk and, and whatever, but, you know, um, are they going to win the next games or whatever? No, because they're not doing triple flaresies. Um, right. Whatever, but they'll win Best Rider awards because people, people think love they're em. amazing at what they do, right? Like, the most one of the most popular BMX pictures ever um, is Vic Murphy doing a one footed tabletop off of a curb. Yep. It's like one of the, it's the icon, it's the iconic BMX photo of the last 40 years, you know? yep. Um, there's nothing that you, uh, most people can do a one footed table like, you know, I mean? like,
2: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> but it that's not what that picture represents, you know?
0: No, that is that is literally probably if it was voted on, it would end oh, yeah. up the most iconic BMX photo of all time.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. It's honestly like it's it's still to this day, like mean it sums up everything about bike riding for me in one picture. Yeah. Uh, so um and uh and um you know, I feel honored to have been a part of all that. I still I love the BMX stuff. I still try to you know, like I said, I try to participate online as best as I can, right? I mean, I've got um, a business to run. I've got four kids. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I've got, uh, I recently wrote a book and launched the book, and then I do a podcast and all that stuff. So I stay pretty busy, and um, but I still try to stay in the scene and keep an eye on what TJ's out there doing, right? You know, gotta keep an eye on him, mm-hmm. right? And John, um, um, you know, crazy Scott, um, You know, you got to watch out for him.
0: Yeah. So uh, since you brought the book up, let's talk about the book. Sure. Yeah. Do you have one right there? I do. I was hoping you would.
1: I do. Actually, so yeah. So anyways, um, after the so I've been, you know, running this business for a while. And, you know, I started my first business when I was 20, 21. And, um, you know, the the thing for me was, is that um, when the pandemic hit, a lot of people were getting laid off. And you see a lot of people are getting, a lot of layoffs are happening now. now, I mean, Microsoft just laid off 10,000, 5% of their staff. Um, So um, because I've been part of tech and all that and managed people for a long time, um, I saw people always had the same problem when they were trying to find jobs or look for jobs as they thought. They thought like I did when I was a kid, which is you submit a resume and then you wait for them to show up and tell you, you have a job you know
2: mm-hmm.
1: um and but what i learned was is that networking is way more important than job searching is and um, what i found was is that because of the pandemic the way that we networked has changed um between this kind of hybrid model so um i wrote a book basically about my advice and system that i use to do networking and it's called um the little book of networking so there's my name um and it yes. is it's a little book
0: and it's oh actually very very important even just from the bmx perspective because networking in bmx is what people say it's all about
1: yeah well it is it is that's how i built that's how i built my career in bmx too is networking you know going being at the right place at the right time meeting the right people um not being too embarrassed to to go to wilkerson you know and be like hey how do i um you know how do i get a chance to come and ride the two hip ramp Mm -hmm. you know um oh yep. well you want to come over tomorrow like yeah i do shit like oh i actually have to show up like
0: <laughs> yeah that's how easy it actually is in bmx where it you can want, be yeah if you want to do something like that yeah
1: yeah so so for me like um i i wrote the book because i was doing a lot of career coaching with people and i thought back to my career um when i first got started really trying to um, find jobs and things like that. Like I thought you do what everybody else does is you submit your resume and then you wait for them to pick you. Well, I, this book is meant to show you how to get, um, how to have you pick yourself first, you know, and then, um, and then other people will show up and be interested in it. So, yeah. So I launched it on Amazon. It came out a week ago or so, and it's been on the best, it's been in the top 100 for like career guides and, things for a little while we had a big, big book release and i'm really excited i'm really into the whole book writing thing um and it's been cool like especially books like seeing like the concrete and smog like photo books and emulsion oh, yeah. like um seeing all these older guys doing books and stuff like i'm excited for more of these folks to be doing more bmx books but to me like um you know i think it's really important whether it's being a professional athlete or a professional designer developer professional youtuber whatever you want to be is that your network is your net worth Mm -hmm. so um if you're not investing in it on a regular basis and you don't have a system to control it um and manage it the right way then um you're going to be behind so
0: yeah i i totally agree with that and it's funny when i i went to school uh in columbus is the columbus college of art and design for cinematic arts yeah. And I can remember just being annoyed with people talking about networking because it was like they were just yep. robots repeating what they had heard. And I don't yep. think that they actually understood what networking really is. And
1: that's why I wrote this book, because everybody, when I bring up networking, they're like, what, go get a name tag and go to these cheesy events. And I was like, no, it is about delivering value to people and consistently delivering value to people. Uh, while you're doing that, you're letting people know what you're looking for at the same time and and asking them to keep an eye out for you. Yeah. You know? yep. And and you're consistent about it, because in this today's day and age, consistency beats strategy every day of the week, you know. So. Yeah. So that's why the networking and all that makes a difference. Again, I I attribute it back to being an athlete um, with the biking. Right. Like consistency, consistently practicing um, backwards tricks made me good at backwards consistently practicing 360s allowed me to do 720s like
0: yep so and going and i i think everybody who's in bmx networks to a degree and if you want to go anywhere in bmx you want to go anywhere outside of it if you can connect those dots and just realize the networking that you do in bmx like going to like for instance this past weekend was winter welcome jam at the Wheelmill going to winter welcome gym at the wheel mill and just talking to everyone there. Like you naturally are going to do anyways and make friends with all these people. You make real connections. You have real conversations. And, and I think that for some people in BMX ends up being more valuable than anything because of the diversity of people who ride, you (laughs) end up meeting people from all these different professions. So, I feel like most people in BMX who really end up, you know, knowing a lot of other BMX riders all over the place, they they know a guy for something.
1: Yep, exactly. And and but the thing is, is that because and maybe it's a midwestern thing, we're bad at asking for things. So
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, so you know what I encourage people to do, especially in the book, is is um have a script together of what you're looking for, and what you could be looking for is nothing of value. It could be. I'm looking for more people like you.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: um, do you know any other people that are like you? Um, can you introduce me to those people? Um, it could be that you, you're you looking for more introductions. It could be, um, it doesn't mean you're, you know, or it could be looking for a job. Oh, by the way, I'm, you know, I'm looking for a, a job in, in this thing, right? Yep. Um, and again, like, you know, like I said, like my dad always taught me, um, you get 100% of what you don't ask for. Yeah. So, so if you're not out there telling people what you're looking for then don't expect it to show up.
0: That makes total sense. I mean that's why they say the squeaky wheels the one that gets the grease.
1: Right, but again like people are like oh I don't want to be like that. I don't want to be annoying. Like yeah, don't be like that. But also um don't be um you know, don't sit and have a pity party while you're streaming Netflix when you could be out um meeting people and growing and um and building a, your your you know you're you whatever you want to do in life you know so right. you know i ain't got time for that sort of shenanigans like yeah you know ain't nobody coming to save you,
0: you that, know? that's the truth and so
1: build your network and that's like a sheet of armor you can put around yourself that when you do have a need something big happens you can pull that um Card out and play it you know and right. say hey everybody that i've been trying to provide value to for the last few years um i have a need you know
0: yeah absolutely so i'm gonna definitely make sure i put the the link to the book in the description oh, what do people gotta it. search like on amazon if they want yeah just search
1: it? for a little, uh, little book of networking
0: little book of networking yep. well i mean i don't want to end the conversation there but i wanted to talk about the book since you brought it up no
1: i appreciate that thank you i want people i want like i I didn't, I'm not like making like money off of this thing. I mean, I hope to pay for the printing of it, but, um, Mm -hmm. um, really, I truly believe that, um, it's a, it's a, it's a hundred page book. Like you read it in like two or three hours. Yeah. Like, and I wrote it specifically, um, to get people to actually read it. Like there's a version of this. That's like twice as big that I wrote. Um, but I was like, you know what? I just want to get to the good stuff. Um, and not bury it as they teach you to do in writing classes is to bury the stuff in there a bit. Um, oh,
0: so they got to dig.
1: Yeah. So you got to dig a little bit, you know, <laughs> you kind of weave it into personal anecdotes and,
0: you yeah, know, and you can
1: sense. charge more for the book then. Right. So anyways, <clears throat> if you have um, on Kindle, it's like two ninety nine. So it's, yeah,
0: I saw on Amazon. It was like three bucks or something like that.
1: Yeah. It's like, yeah. Kindle. And if Forward. you have Kindle unlimited, it's free. So, um, <clears throat> so if you want the digital version and I think the, if you want a paperback version, um, it's like fifteen bucks or something. So, is
0: there an audio book?
1: Not yet. They, Are
0: you gonna the, do it? Are you gonna read it?
1: Oh yeah, no, I'm gonna do it. I got better. <laughs> I got the Sure SM7B here. Like, um, <laughs> I'm ready to go, man. So, uh, but the funny thing is, is I've learned so much going through the publishing process. That's been such an eye opener. Yeah. Um, and so, one of the things that they say is, don't release the audio book until like three months. After um, the book has been released, because it's like this wave of like attention they want you to to build. So yeah. Um, so yeah, there will be an audio version, but uh, my publisher, for business reasons, is like, oh, you know, we wait a while. So, but I'm excited. Sense. I'm already starting on um, the next book, and um, you know, I'm just gonna keep keep rocking and rolling with that. So and the company's doing great. Um, you know, and back to the networking thing. I mean, we built a multi-million dollar company um and we don't have a single salesperson like Dang. it's all it's all networking you know we did five million last year so
0: that's amazing so yeah. so maybe if both of, if that book does good and then the next one you're working on does good you can release the big book of networking that's right
1: the big book of networking it's gonna be like it's gonna be like oh like you gotta you gotta have like a little dolly yeah to, like, to pick it up like that's it's gonna funny. be the biggest the biggest book of networking
0: it's gonna be great so, uh, before talking about what else you got going on today, I wanted to bring up something. If you have time here, do you have more time? Can we keep yep, I'm good. Cool. Uh, you, in this podcast from 2009, you hit <laughs> the nail on the head about contests and X games and things of that nature. So let me make sure I get this right. You okay. talked about, uh, noticing a decline in things based on events like, mega ramp and things of that nature in x games because you said that it makes it more about the show than the skill and you could not have been more spot on (laughs) and i think that it's only progressed further in that and i think yeah i I mean what have have, you still think that
1: yeah i do because again i and i'm not trying to i'm just going to use this as a reference i don't want people to think like i'm comparing apples to apples here. So um, if you think of like wrestling, right? So um, there's the WWE, WWF or whatever that puts on the show, right? That is like Monday Night Raw and blah, 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 and all this other stuff. Um, And in the world of wrestling, you can have, um, you also have the local events that like happen at the armory and whatever. Um, These two things can exist in the same space because the audience accepts that this is a big show and that this is like a local, I can go down to the old VFW and watch some guys on the weekend beat the crap out of each other and pretend to be wrestlers and get into my little manly soap opera thing, you know? Yeah. Um, But in BMX, it's kind of one or the other. You either have the big show or you have the little contest series. Mm -hmm. It's really hard for the little contest series to get money to invest in good prize money, good prizes um you know um whatever when um when it's all being vacuumed up by the big big show you know um because you know um what's that guy logan um, martin logan martin i mean he's not gonna go if he's got the olympics coming up he's not gonna go get hurt at a local contest for a thousand bucks you know right. right like why would he he's a he's a professional athlete like he's a machine mm-hmm. you know what i mean so so he's not going and so the only way that you can interact and understand him is through the through the tv you can't go and see him at your local armory where there's a a local contest series going on right mm-hmm. and there's also hardly any of those local contest series where you build your way up like there used to be with the american freestyle association so you'd have the local afa affiliates and then once you qualified in those things then you could go to the big show and then you went to the big show and it was, you know what I mean? It felt like a graduation and yeah. it felt important, you
0: know? Yeah. It totally makes sense. And real quick to interject, John yeah. asked if you would ask his, or if you would sign his paperback book for you, him.
2: Yes, okay. I will.
1: I will. I will sign the, I will sign the shit out of shit.
0: <laughs> there you go. I don't care. <clears throat> but, I sign them all. uh, so, so on those lines, have yeah. you heard of the, uh, USA yep. BMX freestyle series. Yep. So that's something that is exactly. hopefully bringing. That
1: but you see, in. because BMX, it's a cycle, man. So yeah. when BMX kind of died, that's when Hoffman stepped in and was like, okay, cool. I got this, bro. We're going to do a series. We're going to do it legit. There's going to be money. Mm-hmm. There's going to be sponsors. There's going to be judging. There's going to be like the whole thing. And he stepped in and he's like, I'm going to do this. And then ESPN's like, ooh. That looks cute. Let's we're gonna do that now. Mm -hmm. Um, And so here we are. ESPN's like, ah, not so much. You know, we're you know the mega ramp is probably the only thing that's getting any attention, and now we're throwing you know mountain bikers on it and whatever. Um, So now is the perfect time for these things to come back. It's a cycle, man. It just that's how it happens, you know. No, it makes sense. So so it makes perfect sense that right now there's going to be some more grassroots sort of um contests that go around and now there's going to be a little bit more money available for them because i don't have to as a business owner let's say i'm chris moeller or something right like that's attractive to me
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know um because uh because that's how we did it in the 90 right so we would go to a how did we sell so many bikes we would go to a place. We'd find the best rider at the skate park, and we'd give them standard stuff. Yeah. And that's how we. That's how it became huge, um, because we go. We'd find the best person at any given location, and we'd be like, "You, here's, um, here's like four t-shirts. Here's some handlebars. Here's some pegs. Um, here's like three hats." And they'd be like, "Oh my God, this is the greatest thing ever." And so when the other kids would show up and be like, "Who's, who's that best guy in the place?" It's that guy wearing all the standard stuff.
0: Yeah, he's
1: not even sponsored, right? But he's he's an ambassador. He's representing, and he's more than happy to because he feels special. What you know what I mean? Like it's, you know. But again, like that grassroots sort of thing takes people going around and being, being a part of the scene.
0: Being you proactive know? in it, yeah.
1: Yeah, like the guys, the people running at ESPN are not going to like local contests, like some sort of basketball scouts. You mm-hmm. know. Like looking for the next hot person, you know.
0: Makes total sense.
1: So, so I think it's, I think it's, um, I think those things are awesome. I hope they bring them. I think they, I hope they bring them to every state. I'll go.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think there's ambitions to do more and more with it as they can expand. But
1: you watch. You'll be sitting here when you'll be sitting here ten years from now, and it'll be like, you know, MTV has bought the rights to all of their stuff and now it's a whole new show.
0: Right? Yeah. I'll be interviewing Shane. I'll have the same haircut and <laughs> Yes. <laughs> and... Yes. You'll have the
1: same haircut, maybe just more gray in it, you know. Yeah. Unless you start dyeing it. Like it'll be green. Then um yeah. But yeah, it's a cycle, man. It it's what it's what happens. I mean the same thing happened. You see it in all professional sports. It happens. There's these you know, these um these cycles of like excitement around them right the michael jordan yeah era, right bo jackson um you know you just go down the the list so um Do you i think, think i think local contests are the most important thing to bringing bmx to the level it needs to be it should deserve to be at like i would agree like local contests um i don't care if five kids show up doesn't matter give them free t-shirts um and have it consistently. See you in a month or see you in two months when we have Series 2. And then at the end of the year, we're having the best overall winner and whatever. And you create that culture. You create that yourself. You don't wait for some BMX god to show up at your place and install a mega ramp. Yeah. Like, you go do it. Like, stop pissing and moaning. Like, go throw content. Like, get some clipboards. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like. <laughs> not hard it's not hard
0: right you know, exactly
1: like half of these bmx places you call them up and say i'm doing a little series and you show that you're halfway serious they'll probably send you some free stuff and you oh, can give it's, it away.
0: dude it's so easy i think right now might be a little bit more difficult just with the yeah. state bmx is in but at the same time maybe not because that product that companies are sitting on could be used as advertising that could come back but it's so easy in that all you really have needed in the past was just a flyer and to have asked them with enough time notice
1: yep yep exactly because once you start telling one group of kids they're going to tell the other group of kids Mm -hmm. and then it's going to go all over the place and now with social media it's fantastic right because it just spreads so quickly yeah you know but i heard about contests in kansas city well before the internet you know we'd you know You get on a mailing list and you get a letter in the mail that would say, like, hey, there's these contests happening. Or you'd have a zine back in the day, right? You'd get a zine and um, that would show you um, what was happening around. And you'd be like, oh, wow, I didn't even know people rode in that part of the world, you know? And and then you go, you go to Fargo, North Dakota for a contest and you meet tons of people and they'd be like, oh, that's so cool. You know, thanks for coming to our contest. You should come to our contest. What contest? Oh, we're having a half pipe contest. And, anyways. Um, yep. So, but I think, I think that's how BMX thrives is not from big corporate money. I think it's from people, um, people like you and, you know, the, the regular Joe's saying, like, hey, I'm throwing a, throwing a contest, you know.
0: Yeah. We don't, you don't end up getting that big corporate money until you build up. From that base, and then yep. and then there's that cycle you talk about, where you build it up, and then the people who are around at that right period of time get to take advantage of that big corporate money.
1: Exactly. Yep. And it'll it'll, it'll it's a cycle, you know. So again, I mean, there's guys out there that are just social media writers, and there's guys out there that are um are just um, but th- that's no different than there was before. There was guys who were just show writers. They just on bike show tours they -hmm. never entered contests but they were great in shows because they had their routine and they did it over and over again it was was great
0: yeah so i mean i I take it from what you're saying you pay attention a good bit to the what's going on in the bmx world still
1: i keep an eye on it sure i mean i have a vested interest in it it's a big part of who i am it it helped me get to where i'm at um it gave me the confidence Um, That I didn't have as a youngster, you know, when I was being bullied and it taught me how to be self resilient, how to how to um, fight through pain, um, physical and mental. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I wouldn't be who I am. I wouldn't be as resilient as I am without it. So, um, yeah, I'm very interested to see what happens to it. But I'm just like any old crusty bike rider. I have tons of opinions that nobody (laughs) gives a crap about.
0: Um, I give a crap.
1: Well, thank you, Brent. I appreciate <laughs> I appreciate you, and I appreciate the work you do because um, there's not a lot of people out there that are putting in the effort that you are. And I think what you're doing is, if you stay consistent with it, is going to be way more important than you even know it will be. I promise you. Um, some I guy will so. be sitting with you 20 years from now, going, "Man, did you ever? Why did you start doing news about biking? What was that idea about? You know, like
0: God, I." I... I mean, I don't that's not like a goal, but I mean, it would be amazing if that happened. It's just like it's just I don't know what it is about me, but I have to be 100 percent consumed with BMX in every single humanly way possible.
1: Well, you're just a naturally curious person. And I think that's why people like watching your show so much, because you're playing the role of them because they're very curious. And, you know, you're just, you know. You're just a very curious person. You're trying to figure stuff out. So is everybody else? And so you're asking questions and um people identify with it and um yeah, I think I think you've got a great style about yourself and the way you present yourself. It's it's great. I enjoyed watching the show. I subscribed. So everybody watching this, subscribe.
0: <laughs> oh, subscribe. I could I can publicly thank you for being a member on my channel. I am. I am thank official. You for that. I am
1: official I am official club. Carry a card carrying <laughs> card carrying member of uh uh the Morsketeers, as I'm gonna call them. There you go. Morsketeers. I, I
0: do I really appreciate that because hearing everything you have to say and the the story you have in BMX and then you say stuff like that means a lot, honestly. I'm
1: telling you, man, it's the stuff you're doing is more important than you know it is. And Um, It was the same for me. I had no appreciation for how important doing the bike standard bike company was Mm -hmm. at the time. I had no idea how much how important like the backward stuff and how long that stuff would carry on. And yeah, I had no appreciation for it at the time, you know. So
0: right. So, when (laughs) so on somewhat on that topic, like when you were filming video parts did you consciously say like, all right, I want to film this trick or was it more so just someone was filming what was happening at the time?
1: Um, no, we, um, um, we'd usually have a menu. Like I want to capture all these things. Um, you know, it was, uh, oh, I want to go to these three spots because I want to try these four things, you know? Yeah. Um, but more, I mean, about half the time, it was stuff that you had done before and you just want to capture it.
2: Mm-hmm. The other half
1: of the time, it was like, well, I know a place that has a rail that's like twice as long as the one I did, so let's drive an hour to Rockford and do that, you know? Yeah. So, um, but then, you know, because you were filming once you got there, there's no backing out yeah you know like you're going down that rail one way or another
0: (laughs) that that makes sense it was just something i was curious about because it was like a thing that you really had to put effort into doing just to film something oh yeah in bmx back then so
1: oh yeah no we didn't have uh, we weren't walking around with cameras in our in our pockets
0: Yeah, so that made me just wonder if like how intentional things were with you had to be
1: really intentional. It was, a, it was sometimes it was like a movie shoot, like rolling on the river, right? Like, um, I storyboarded out like the first half of the thing, like you know what I mean, like mm-hmm. like um, these are the places we're going. This is what they look like. These are the I need um, three banger tricks for each location. Um, and we can't leave until I get them. You know what I mean? Like you had to, you know, and we have to get there at the right time of day because the lighting has to be good. And again, this is just with crappy, you know, Super 8 cameras like.
0: Yeah, John like you, says you doing, don't want to waste the tape.
1: <laughs> you don't want to waste the tape, but you were doing anything you could to make it look like a real movie. You know? Yeah.
0: So. <laughs> That's interesting. It's, I Because I've heard people oh. say that their video parts were mainly just you know somebody was there with a the camera capturing what was happening at the time but i've also heard other people say that they're very intentional and they wanted to film certain tricks no,
1: <clears throat> no we were very intentional because it would be like this is a filming day you know mm-hmm. and um and uh so you know you 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 know you you picked out you know what shirt you're gonna wear you know what I mean? Like, you yeah. see it today, like, in some of the clips and stuff, right? You'll see guys, like, all of a sudden, like, especially in, like, skate videos, which I love, like, they'll show a guy wearing all white, like, white pants, mm-hmm. white shirt, whatever. Like, that's not what he's normally skating in. Like, he's, he's wearing a costume uniform to make the tricks even have that much more flair to them, right? So we were that intentional, right? We'd be like, you know, like, oh, you know, I got to make sure I'm not wearing the same shirt as... Rick is Um, Mm -hmm. I got to be wearing different colored shoes, even though we have the same shoe sponsor and because it was a filming day, you know?
0: Yeah, that makes total sense. I think about that stuff because of videos I've seen online where they talk about how like a photographer made, there's a video series on the ride channel. It's a skateboard thing called in focus where they're teaching about filming and photography and stuff. And in one of them, they're doing photography. And this photographer is going to a legendary spot where he took this legendary photo thirty years ago, whatever it was. And they were gonna recreate it with this skater today. And he's like talking about how much he hates it when skaters are wearing black because you can't yep. see them; they don't stand yeah, out from the him. background. Yep. And
1: yep, exactly. And that that's that's back to my point because um, it wasn't us sitting there just dreaming up like how could we look so cool. It was feedback from professionals, right? I mean, we mm-hmm. were. You know, Rick was getting shot um, on film by Spike Jones, who went on to, like, film amazing movies and Do the stuff. right
0: thing, literally, like, <clears throat> just legendary.
1: Yeah, like, just crazy stuff. Like, uh, uh, and so he was like, you know, like, he was like, you know, yeah, I mean, they would they would art direct while S- things were S- happening because it was their name that was going on the packaging, you yeah. know. Um, that said it was a video by them, right? So, yep. um, so, yeah, like, when I remember, like, filming stuff for Baco, like with Chris Rye and stuff, you know, Chris was always very, he was a very calm, very quiet guy, you know? Mm-hmm. But he'd be like, you know, he'd be like, uh, so so you going to pull it? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and you're like, I'm, try- fucking try- I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying, and he's like, yeah, okay, you know? And then he yeah. just... You know, I remember because I'd be trying to do stuff like, you know, I hadn't done before. Nobody had done before. Like, I was, tr- I remember I was at the Bako thing and I was trying <clears throat> on the mini, I was just trying to do backwards toothpick grinds along like the wall, you know? And, um, and it was hard. Like, it's a hard trick to do, like to yeah. do it <clears throat> for any length of time. Like, and I was trying to do it for like at least, At least six or eight feet to make Mm -hmm. it look like a really good, like, flow, right? You know, you, like, you come up and you go, wah, and down. And Chris is like, yeah, you know, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta pull it, like, soon. (laughs) He's like, I'm getting tired. And he's like, it's getting dark, you know? And I'm Mm -hmm. like, so, like, funny, you know, we had to be intentional.
0: Right. I gotta correct myself. Spike Lee directed "Do the Right Thing," not oh. Spike Jones. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> I didn't hear you say that. Yeah, I, I, I just wanted for anyone who's no, gonna yeah, yell No, yeah, Spike at me,
1: Jones, John, being John Malkovich, and uh, uh, where the wild things are,
0: and there you go, legendary. But yeah, it totally makes sense. I mean, it's even that way today. My girlfriend does a lot of my filming. She's like, "Come on, Linda, <laughs> call me yep. Linda." Like gotta land it i'm like listen you know how this works (laughs) (laughs) you know it's gonna take three hours
1: yeah well it's good though you got to have that pressure you know like i Mm -hmm. said like we were talking about earlier about um nailing your tricks without hops or whatever the case may be you know like um you know that was just artificial pressure we'd put on each other like there's no there's no rules you know yeah but you know it's like That just became like the rule. You know what I mean? Like,
0: no rules, but it's a rule. Damn it.
1: Right. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) No, we're punk rock and we're breaking the rules. But man, if you're wearing those types of shoes, like, don't even come near me, you know? (laughs) That's the
0: funniest thing about BMX. Oh, yeah. It's the against the grain counterculture that will totally hate on you for being against the grain (laughs) uh,
1: or for having your seat post too high. You know? That's so funny. Like, yeah or you've got the wrong gearing oh. on, on your bike <clears throat> or the wrong crank length, and they're like, what? <laughs> you know, poser.
0: That's so funny. Uh, <laughs>
1: That's all right. I was guilty of the same shit when I was young and dumb. You know, I did the same stuff. Um, it's a rite of passage, you know, so again, back to being resilient.
0: So, it's true. Yep. Uh, I'm curious. Who are you paying attention to riding wise today that oh, <clears throat> Just um, so it sticks out to your mind when you think about <clears throat> it.
1: Well, obviously, like TJ doing the backwards stuff is great. Um but like um who I, I I can't remember all the names, so sorry I'm gonna sound like an old guy here for a little bit. Like Oh, so old. No, it's um, okay. <clears throat> uh that's uh is it Smiley guy? Devin Smiley. Devin. Yep. Um he's got some really he's fun. He's going
0: backwards too.
1: He's going backwards, but he's also got a good like he's got a solid style. He reminds me of like if um if Rob Ridge did more rolling stuff, I guess. I could see uh, it. You know, he's got it's a very like he's he's kind of stocky and like he's he's got a good low center of gravity. Like he's he's just a really good um <clears throat> um good to watch. And Matthias Matthias Matthias. Matthias
0: Dandois.
1: Yeah, he's I just, he just looks like he's having so much fun on his bike like all the yeah. time. Like it's fun to watch him, not just because he's good, but he, again, he's putting on a show. Like he's, he's having a good old time. You know what I mean? Like he looks like the least depressed person on the world when he's on his bike, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, but oh, man, there's so many, like I, you know, whoever's on Instagram, I watch them all, you know, but I love, I love seeing the old stuff when like, escamelia or john or those uh those guys post like old stuff it brings back a lot of good memories of you know um what it felt like to be um riding at that time you know
0: yeah there's a page for early 2000s bmx we need a page for <clears throat> yeah early night for just 90s bmx yeah or 80s. oh who's
1: the bunny hop guy sorry who's the bunny hop the guy who can bunny up really high brock and rayford? he rides what's that brock rayford no and he rides like he also rides like mountain bikes or whatever oh
0: brad sims
1: brad sims god man i just love the power it's so powerful
0: is definitely the word
1: i just love the um it just feels so like it reminds me of when i watch him ride that reminds he reminds me of that Vic murphy picture in a way Mm. like you know it's like sheer the just sheer power and uh but yet attitude and style all wrapped up in one like he's uh he's the whole package that guy i just i'd love that guy you know yeah Um, because his stuff is really powerful but he's also really technical people people get fooled by the power in it but if you don't see like you know you watch him like trying to measure up stuff like as he's going towards things he's really sorting out in his mind like how many more inches do I need to move to the left to make this happen? Like he's a really technical rider, but I don't think people would call him that. So, um,
0: the post he made yesterday or the day before that, where he's doing a wall ride over a bike rack to 360. yeah. Yeah. Like, Just doing a wall to 360 (laughs) off of a flat surface is so ridiculously hard, let alone the fact that you're maxing out your bunny hop before you're doing it, which is in turn like putting you in an awkward position, which isn't he has to reset (laughs) Uh, himself to be able to do the 360 off. Yeah, it's so crazy.
1: It's so great. And it's it's just such a... Yeah, the style, like I said, total package that guy. Total package. It's great. That's yeah. what I like. I like riders that are not one trick ponies. I like total, like the total package. I like I like speed and style, <clears throat> but also uniqueness, like
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know. I don't, you know, again, I don't hate on the guys that do quad whips, you know, like that's fine. Yeah. You know. Um but I can watch it one time.
0: That's fair. You
1: yeah. Know? Like okay, there's four.
0: Yep. Okay. You like what you like, you know?
1: You know? And, uh, uh, but yeah, like, again, like, some of these, um, these Japanese flatlanders, like, man, I don't care what, what, I don't care whatever they're doing. I watch, <laughs> like, it's magic.
0: Mm hmm. So, and the freaking six year olds from over there. That's that what I was going to say.
1: Yeah. Right.
0: They're just amazing, doing yeah. crazy stuff.
1: They look like they're floating on air. It's just, it's so, uh, it's, it's so great. Like,
0: yeah, it blows my mind to see that super, super young kid doing truck drivers on like yep. a 14 inch bike. And you're like, how are you, little hands? <laughs> just like...
1: Right. Exactly. Well, it's the same thing. Like, if you think about Kevin Jones back in the day, like he, he just had a, a, a effortless style. Yeah. And he was doing the hardest tricks there were. Um, but he made them look too easy. And so people would try them and like, they'd be like, what? No. This has gotta be easier than this. Like That's so funny. You know? Um no, he just made it look effortless because that's all he did all day long is over and over and over again, like just a maniac. Um so it's good to see um it's good to see those guys getting their recognition and stuff at like some of the award things and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. Um you know. I wish there was I wish there was more recognition for some of the people out there and i think social media does a pretty good job of it um you know recognizing kind of you know the people who maybe weren't the most you know who weren't the mike dominguez eddie fiola Mm -hmm. you know um dave mira jay Miron, folks you know
0: but yeah that's mm -hmm. what i think if there was someone who had the same dedication to like the early t- 2000s page what they have sure which uh james who runs that if there's somebody who had that same dedication for the other eras of bmx i think we would have some really solid stuff out there to yeah look at on yeah. a regular basis i mean there's shad shad johnson's doing it yeah, on youtube great. <clears throat> he's doing a fantastic job with everything he's doing which is cool because that's on youtube and then the other stuff on instagram
1: yeah i really like that stuff i like the um yeah i like the old school bmx guys on on youtube they're super fun to watch um you know Mm -hmm. big big bushy white beards like zz top and (laughs) shit like yeah man it's just again it goes back it's like it's so bmx to me like it's so broad but i can see some little kid being like oh old man and stuff and i'm like no that's punk rock dude like you you know punk rock's a, a mindset it's not a it's not mm. a t-shirt you
0: know yeah and i think the the kids who are they get it i think those kids don't look at it that way yeah i think the kids who <clears throat> there's some kids local to me who it seems like they just don't do anything but scroll through bmx instagram yep. and they know everything oh
1: yeah no i always loved the um, I always call them the like encyclopedian people. Mm-hmm. you know, because there's always the characters like at a contest or at a skate park. you know, you have kind of the encyclopedia person who remembers like what kind of spoke nibs like., um, <laughs> yeah. you know, um, you know, Dave Mira rode at the 98 X games or whatever.. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and then you have like the the guy who, you know who who isn't that good but has decided just to become a photographer. Um, you know, and that's his new thing, and uh, you know what I mean? Like, there's always this. the same cast of characters.
0: Oh like, yeah, every time.
1: And all the things. Um, but I love the encyclopedians. They're fantastic. You yeah. Know? <clears throat> you know, they'll Those... tell you the they'll tell you the wall they'll tell you the wall thickness on, you know, 92 Tioga tires and.
0: <laughs> Those kids they freaked me out for a little bit they when freak they first me out, start too. coming around because they'd be asking questions. that, like, showed that they were scrolling through somebody's Instagram from, like, six years ago. How do you even know what you're talking about right now, but you do?
1: It's amazing. I wish, again, like, we just had the magazines back in the day, but you would literally be almost with a magnifying glass studying, Mm -hmm. you know, the different bikes. And that's why it's so cool some of these old-school rebuild Instagrams and things where they're, like, rebuilding, like, um you know dave volker's bike from this blah 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 thing and it's like it's so dead on down to even like the scratch on a sticker from that he put on that he got at a truck stop somewhere but they they figured out how to get that sticker it's just crazy like the level of detail but that's again going back to because you know we just had these magazines and whatever was in them was like literally gold you know um yeah it taught us what was cool and what was, um, what wasn't cool.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and that was like your Bible.
1: Absolutely. Your Bible. Yeah. Oh yeah. No. So you had to follow it. And if you didn't, then, um, what were you doing? Like.
0: You weren't, you weren't part of the club.
1: No, (laughs) no. No. And it was very important to be part of the club because we are so anti-establishment that we needed an establishment to hang out at. So, we could talk about being anti establishment. It's very important.
0: <laughs> it was funny. So, this has nothing to do with anything we were talking about, but I want to yeah. ask you before I forget. Because you're so into the marketing world of things, yeah. uh, what do you think about affiliate marketing in BMX?
1: I don't like affiliate marketing in general. I mean, drop shipping and all of that stuff, like just as a practice, you know?
0: Um, I, I guess I should be more specific. I mean, more so like, for example rider rides for oh company and has their code yeah, yeah. that's associated with their name or that yeah. link that's associated with them just that part of it
2: yeah
1: yeah i think it's fine again like you know there's there's all sorts of ways to grow up in the world right like you know, Dennis, <clears throat> Dennis McCoy, for example, for a couple of years was sponsored by Adidas, mm-hmm. um, but he wasn't really. Like, there was a distributor that was giving his manager free stuff, and he, and he was just, he was told that he was getting it from Adidas, and it's just all a weird thing. And so yeah. he started wearing like only Adidas stuff at whatever, and people are like, "Oh my God, this is it! Like, this is when." you know, the big industry breaks into our world and starts taking over. It starts with Dennis and Adidas, you know? Um, and then it turns out it was all just kind of a scam in a way, you know? Yeah. Like not like a, like a malicious scam. You know what I mean? It just,
0: it just wasn't what it,
1: appeared. it wasn't as real as like it was meant to be. So, um, so for me, that's, that's my only opinion, I guess, when it comes to like affiliate stuff, like is, you know, How honest are people about it? It
0: could be fake. I guess my perspective on it, I've just been preaching about this for years now because I feel like it's a good way to mitigate some of the problems that BMX has as far as sponsorship goes. And just like the the accountability side of it is like you can see who's doing their job. You can give an incentive to people who are doing their job better than others. And. I don't know. I've just been thinking about that. and I was curious on, well, I think again, you know,
1: um, it goes back to like what I deal with at work. Like you can't manage what you can't measure. Right.
0: Exactly. And we can so, measure
1: a lot. Right. So, so to me, um, is it more important how many followers this person has, or is it more important to me as a brand, how many trophies they have? Mm-hmm. So I think it comes back to what is the goal of the brand that's behind all of this? Like, what are they actually trying to be known for? Right. Yeah. Um because, you know, I could hire somebody who um all they do is uh go to events and just do jackass type stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and that's my brand, right? We're the jackass guys and um you know, my guy is going to streak through the skate park naked and he's going to wear a sticker over his dingaling of my company or something. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? And then there and then there's the Logan Martins. Right. Where it's like gleaming chrome, like, you know, um, mm-hmm. it's it's like it's a perfected race car sort of approach. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, And so to me, I think it goes back to what is the brand actually trying to do? So. <laughs> hey, yeah.
0: Yeah. And that makes sense. And I guess my perspective on it has always just been it's like it gives the company. Oh, there's his hand uh, okay. gives the company a.
1: This is Arthur. Just real quick. Hello,
0: <laughs> Arthur. He's six. Do you ride BMX? Do you ride BMX?
2: Um, I don't know.
0: Yeah, he doesn't know.
1: Perfect. No. He uh, he 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 rides scooters.
0: Oh, okay. Will you be yeah. a good boy, Arthur?
1: Yeah, I told him don't get involved in BMX. It'll break your heart. So. <laughs>
0: he,
1: cool he does have a lot of cool toys. Um, That's funny. But yeah, uh, no, no. Stay. Go go skateboarding. It's a lot cheaper for dad. Ha.
0: <laughs> but i guess where i was just going with that is yes yeah. uh it's a way for companies to measure things that are hard to measure right now and obviously yep. there's always going to be the aspect of like that dude's doing cool stuff we want to help that yeah, dude for out sure. For sure. but I, I don't know okay last time come
1: here
0: <laughs> he wants to show you what he's got oh dude it's a dinosaur
2: <laughs>
1: okay
0: nice hey, It's
1: bedtime silly Watch out for Millie. Um, yeah. So like, again, it goes back to, um, if what I'm trying to, uh, what I'm trying to accomplish for my career as a, as a bike rider Mm -hmm. too, right? Like, is my goal, is my goal someday to be uh, an Olympic champion an ESPN champion or just start my own bike company or my own parts company or my own shop, my own, um, brand, right? Like what's my, what are my goals? Right. Yeah. Um, and I think to your point, like um the problem with most of these bike companies, especially the smaller ones, is that they're barely keeping the lights on in a lot of cases. So um watching trends and watching your follower count graph, if it's going up or down and stuff, like that's not something they're regularly into. You know what I mean? And
0: Yeah, and how like, do you translate that to sales numbers and where they're right,
1: exactly. From? Like you can't it's really hard to. So so it's it, like I said, there's no people problems. I said this earlier, There's no people problems, just communication problems. Right. So mm-hmm. I think it's great if you could figure out a way of communication between you and that brand is in a way that you both agree on is is a positive net positive for both of you. Mm-hmm. Um, like, it's fantastic. Like, it's great. Go for it. You know, um, but at the same point, like recognize what your goals are as a bike rider. Like for me, all I wanted was to be a professional bike rider. I wanted to go to contests. I wanted to get paid to ride my bike. Um, and when I made that decision, there weren't things like videos like you were in, there wasn't, um, there wasn't national contests that all ended with a big show at the end. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I made those goals before then the, then the sport changed around me. So, um, you know you have to understand like whatever you're getting into now it's going to be different a year from now yeah you know so so um don't get too hung up on shit i guess is what i would
0: say <laughs> yeah <that> was, totally because <laughs> it'll
1: change it'll pull it'll it'll change on you in two seconds man
0: oh like, for sure and bmx has had a terrible track record at choosing to hate on the new things that are coming in. That. Before realizing oh, yeah. that they could take advantage of them and do better. Oh yeah,
1: yeah, no, no, yeah, don't mess with my sport, man. Mm-hmm. You know, like, don't don't do it because you're gonna tear the world down. Well, you know, maybe you're getting old. Maybe ha. you know, yep. maybe uh, maybe you're the old the old fuddy duddy that's like, uh you know, that way it used to be. You know.
0: Yep. Uh, have you ever heard about or have you seen these new planetary free coasters?
1: I heard about them. I think I heard about it from your channel, actually.
0: Most likely, because that's all I do is talk about these things. i just just curious if you'd heard about it I all. heard about
1: it from your thing. Yeah, that sounds really cool. Because the biggest thing for me with the free coasters is the play and how you can adjust the play yeah. in them. Um, because, you know, forever, even some of these really higher-end flatline ones that I tried, like, the play is just... It's just gross. Like, I want, I want zero play. Like, I don't want any... Play between when I'm pedaling backwards and when I'm when I'm engaging the wheel to go forward.
0: Mm-hmm. I don't
1: I don't want you know.
0: You don't want the slack of disengage to engage.
1: Yeah, I don't want the play. I don't want the slack in between the two. I want it to be as minimal as possible. And the problem is, is that because of the way, at least until maybe this coaster, like it seems like um, it just was hard technically to make that.
0: Yeah, a and reality. these these i'll show this one because i i keep one on my desk this is the alienation venus uh it's one of them and that's what's beautiful about them is that you can have that minimal quick engagement on it and have when you're rolling backwards literally pedal forwards to where you don't have to worry about it
1: yeah i like that Yeah, one of the first one of the first parts we made at Standard was um, chromoly coaster brake hubs, um, mm. that were machined out of a solid piece of chromoly, like steel Z, right? Yeah. And they were so expensive to make. I think the first, I think the first one cost us four hundred dollars for the hub. I remember at the time we were like, that is like a million dollars to us, you know? Yeah. Like to get the first hub machined. But oh my God, what a difference that made in terms of moving from that. High tinsel Bendix,
2: mm-hmm. you
1: know, and Sun Tour hubs to a real 48 spoke um, coaster hub was such a major difference in our lives. Um, but that's the thing is like the technology is finally coming along, it seems like with like that planetary coaster in a way that doesn't make it feel like you're riding something different, I guess. Like, you know, like it should feel as good as a freewheel, just not uh, making you pedal backwards you know what i
0: mean yep and it it pretty much does i there's a couple you know it's not completely perfect you'll have a couple hiccups here and there but yeah i was just curious if you had heard about it and or tried one yet
1: no i haven't i haven't and uh i would like to though um um yeah i'm planning on building a uh like a probably a 24 inch next year or this this year nice Um, you know i'd like to Tool around with the boys, on that you know, embarrass them. You mm-hmm. know, you know that they're. It's really funny. Like I've got a, I've got my 14 year old kid. He can't believe that that's his dad on those old videos and stuff. You know, he just, yeah. th- he just thinks it's hilarious, right? It's funny because back to my um, what we were talking about about leaving the career. Like the people who I know through like business and everything right now, if they find out like I used to be a professional bike rider they can't believe it they're like you what no and then when i talk to like my old bmx friends they're like you run a tech (laughs) like what no like it's weird like you're in this weird kind of limbo between the two um the two groups of people that know um that know about know who you are you know
0: yeah it's so funny and then i mean i'm sure you still see parallels to this day between what you're doing for work and the BMX side of things. Oh,
1: absolutely. All the time. And, um, it's, it comes down to, cause you know, you and, uh, what's the other good show that I listen to like our BMX or whatever. Um, what's the one with the dudes in California with them? Um, the Haro guy are you talking about
0: with the har- Are you talking about unclicked? Yeah. Unclicked. Yeah. Yeah. Dennis. Um,
1: Oh, Dennis Anderson. He's great yeah. too. I like watching him. Right. Um, uh, like they're always talking about the industry, you know, the business. Mm-hmm. Right. So like Moeller's done the tour, right? Um, with those folks in you. Um, they had um they had some other industry folks on too. Um, I find it really interesting, you know, because again it goes back to um <clears throat> you know, whoever you're watching and whoever they assign the blame to is really interesting, you know. Oh yeah. Cause it's always different, you know, yeah. um, you know, but in my mind, a lot of times, you know, um, I hold up, I will well, we learn, learn to hold up the mirror first. What could I be doing better? Um, versus, you know, oh, the world is impacting me and bringing me and my business down. I'm not getting the recognition I deserve. Like, well, do you deserve it? Hmm. Might not,
0: not yet right yeah it's a, i mean that's definitely solid advice there is if you have a problem with something look at yourself first
1: yep oh yeah yeah Or you know it's like the bad roommate thing they call it right
0: it's like no my roommate actually was horrible all right <laughs> <laughs> no i swear
1: every roommate i've had has been a total jackass
0: it was just this one guy he ended up moving out okay
1: okay all right oh i've lived with some jackasses i mean because again it was like you know biking back in the 90s there's always a house right Mm -hmm. there was like the fbm house there was the bako house there was the standard house the
0: fat house
1: yeah exactly like there's always a house you know what i mean and like that was one of my things i loved about the early 90s is going from house to house you know like yeah and seeing what the you know like the east coast destruction house was like and oh there's lucky and John, Joe, Rich, and and this is before like anybody even knew who they were, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. they're just little kids, you know. Um, and it's just so much fun, you know. Um, it was a great time. And then yeah, I remember like Joe Rich moving into the standard house for a while, and Taj living there, and um, and then like Sandy Carson living there for a while, and like um, Robbie Morales living there for a while. Pete Brant lived there for a little bit man that guy's a trip man Woo, um, he's fantastic but man
0: that's funny somebody he's... mentioned him earlier in the chat I think they're they? talking about him still riding or something oh
1: yeah he still rides yeah yeah something
0: yeah. along those lines I can't fu-
1: man find that guy well. was a character like straight out of a comic book he's I he was great though like <clears throat> no um, I'm not trying to talk bad about anybody but yeah uh, but man did he have like a he had a locked-in persona, like West Coast guy, you know. Um, it was great, um, but yeah, the characters that I, you know, I mean, that's the one of the best things about BMX, but also one of the worst things, you know, you know, because we, you know, we ran into thieves and stuff right at the skate park. People'd steal shit. People try to break into the standard, and you know what I mean. Like mm-hmm. a whole group of individuals, right? You've got. You know, you've got a whole char- cast of characters. You know, you got the thugs and you've got the jocks and the the stoners. And you know. that
0: that thing we already talked about of everybody playing their, yep. their role in it. Yep. Yeah. It was John said Pete Brent is still killing it in his late 40s.
1: Yeah, he is. He's a machine, that guy. But I remember him staying at the house like he was – and he did not like being in the midwest i'll tell you (laughs) he he's a west coast guy through and through he did not like he did not like the cold weather and um he did not understand uh, us midwestern boys (laughs) can't
0: blame him on the cold weather part no no that's funny so uh is there anything, I mean, you gave me kind of the rundown on Foundry already. Is there more to say about that? Cause it kind of like sure. turned us in a right angle after. No, you that's that. fine.
1: No, like I said, Um. so yeah, so the, the work that I, I'm the president, I'm also a partner and part owner mm-hmm. in the, in the company and uh, we're an agency. We do user experience design UX. We build mobile applications, um, web applications. Um, probably some you might've used in the past, but um, I can't talk about them because of NDA. Oh <laughs> um, yeah, that's fair. Um but um um yeah, we've been around for a while and uh and it's something that I'm really I've really been uh passionate about. Um not necessarily about code and design. I'm not I I do my own stuff, right? Like I showed you, like I have some I went back and redesign or I redesigned some old T shirts I designed.
0: It's Oh yeah, you sent me that.
1: Yeah, I put them on Teespring and Just for like, honestly, the first thing was is that my where it came from is that I had this shirt um, with me on it, and my fourteen-year-old wanted one, and I was like, well, I don't have any, like, and I and he's like, oh, there's places on the internet, you know. I was like, okay, so I looked, and there's Teespring, and it's like, oh yeah, you know, for like twenty bucks, I can get a shirt printed um, with a picture of this thing on there. So
0: I've got them all uh, on the screen right now.
1: Okay, cool. Yeah, I just a bunch of shirts like that I had done back in the standard days and, um, um, ones that probably some people that we never released, you know, too. So, um,
0: run uh, KRT. <laughs> yeah. Broleroid. Yep.
1: Yep. <clears throat> yep. Yeah. We had to, yeah, it's goofy stuff. Anyways. Um, I get asked a lot for like sticker old standard stickers especially these old school guys that are like rebuilding bikes and they want the original sticker layouts you know from illustrator files oh, stuff. Yeah. and and like sometimes i have to go back to like these zip drives and try and find that stuff and then what ends up happening is i run into like some of these designs and i'm like oh yeah like i remember that we never launched that one you know like there's a one on there with jane um mansfield on that was called jane's addiction cuz jane's addiction the band was really popular at the time and so um yeah it's funny oh
0: i see the one with the lady on it yeah right there yep jane
1: jane mansfield yep she was a she was a gonna be a big star and then ended up getting decapitated in a car accident
0: oh that's unfortunate
1: yeah i know wow Wow. so anyways, uh (laughs) so um so yeah so with foundry um yeah my role a lot is um doing like heading up the sales and marketing and side of things but also um leading the teams and hiring people and all of that stuff so it's a it's a lot of fun um and uh yeah we're really good we're not like a website building place like there's tons of those we don't build websites Mm -hmm. like we're, we're the tool people you know like
0: yeah you're doing the stuff that other people are implementing into when they're yeah i gotcha
1: Yep, exactly. So you know, you you know, um, uh, one company that we work with is Quality Bicycle Products. So QBP. Oh yeah, yeah. So they're local to Minneapolis here. They're one of the largest distributors in the world for bicycle stuff. And yep. um, um, yeah, thanks to my um, my roots and knowing a lot of people over there, um, we got in there and we've helped them build some technology that helps them with their like logistics.
0: That makes total um, helps- sense.
1: Helps them with um, some uh, some of the stuff they do with bike shops and um, their distri- distribution centers. So um, and we help them build beautiful design yeah. products um, for that stuff. So it's really cool for all that to come meshing together. You know, like I love yeah. going down there and you know, cause I didn't even know at the time like that they made Salsa bikes and All City and all those different brands. Like they make all those really surly. You know, like. Hmm. That's all their. there's all their companies. Yeah, um, I
0: had no idea.
1: I know. I didn't either. So, <laughs> uh, um, and they're fantastic bikes. Like Salsa bikes are legit bikes. All City bikes are legit bikes. Surly bikes are legit. Like, and they're all, you know, this company that's like literally, uh, yeah. twenty minutes from my house right now.
0: Wow. Yeah. Uh, I didn't know you were in Minneapolis. Yeah. One day or when south, I come,
1: I'm in south. I'm south of Minneapolis technically, but yeah.
0: Well, whatever. One day when I come visit Park Tool, I have to hit you up.
1: Yep. Come and visit. Yeah. I'd love to, love to, uh, uh, hang out and, uh, yeah. Park Tool again. Yeah. Again, it's really funny. You know, like, have you guys worked with Park Tool? Uh, no, I have not been. Oh, okay. I have not been, but, uh, um, I'm definitely no um, big fan of the brand, though. Huge fan of the brand. Um, uh, I've, I've had a bike stand of theirs for like 40 years, like whatever. Um, like that stuff does. This stuff is just solid. It's uh, the best. It's just great. So, um, that's the one. That that was the one interesting thing about growing up in Minnesota is that you know you have like the park tools of QBPs and all that stuff here. Um, it made for an interesting climate of biking. Yeah,
0: know? cycling industry is probably pretty big. It's
1: really big here. Like, makes sense.
0: It's really big.
1: Um, but BMX was not so much.
0: You know yeah uh so what else you got a podcast you still doing that
1: yep still doing the podcast it's called uh schmidt list so if you look up schmidt list and most of it is um geared towards uh um leadership marketing sales business yeah um it's really um it's really a great way for me i use it as kind of a a learning tool just like you use this, right? Like I get mm-hmm. people on and I'm very curious. Tell me about how you do B2B marketing. And they talk to me about how to do business-to-business marketing. And I learn a lot and it's fantastic. And then I put it out as a show and hopefully other people get value from it. I think that's why I really um, connected with you, Brandon. Like the work you're doing, it's very similar yeah, to it's me. exactly but, the same thing. Yeah, exactly. It's the same <laughs> reason I do my show. Um, my show is just not about BMX. It's more about business in general and so um yeah but i've been doing it for five years 207 episodes dang nice um, that's so, awesome yeah. so yeah i enjoy it i try to get it out weekly if i can if not twice a month and um but yeah i've been busy with the book and um yeah. and the business. So. how do you
0: find people like is it just people who come come up in your That's life That's really
1: interesting. You say it. what I tried it what I what the way that I find most people is I have guests um I ask guests to introduce me to potential guests.
0: Ah. So, makes sense. So what
1: I say is I say is um you know when we get off the show I'm like, "Hey, thanks so much. Um by the way, if you know anybody you think would be a good guest, like somebody you've worked with, a boss, a CEO, or somebody that you think would be awesome, I'd love an introduction." Um you know ask them if they'd be interested in coming on a podcast first obviously and then introduce me um and that's literally like the first the first 20 episodes were mostly people i had worked with in some capacity in the past mm-hmm. but then i kept asking those people like introduce me to you know oh you should talk to mary who's our chief financial officer she has some great stories about um career switching from hr to financial or something you know and i'd be like ooh, let me talk to mary like
0: Yeah, that's that's pretty cool.
1: So it's always getting other people to introduce me to other people. Right. So, I mean, hell, man, you've got like Chris Muller on like you should be like, hey, introduce me like five dudes. I want to get on the show.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm in the stage right now where I've done like I wouldn't never call it networking because I just you look at it like I'm making all these friends in BMX but throughout all these years i've made all these friends yeah and then now that i've given this podcast an official name i've yeah. just been like oh hey i could talk to this person and this yes. person and this person I know.
1: you just pick up you just pick them out of it and again it's it's um you're yeah you're right um it's you're not building friends but these are colleagues these are mm-hmm. these are um you know p- potential um uh guests and and whatever the case may be like we can we can be friends without like having to go to, you know, each other's weddings. Right. Like right. we can still be friends and we don't talk every day, that's fine too.
0: Yep.
2: Like
1: <laughs> you know, I don't know who came up with these rules around you know, what makes a person a friend and a whatever. Anyways, so um so that's how I built it over time was like just getting other people to introduce me to other Yeah, people.
0: that's that's awesome. And I'm sure in doing podcast too what i've noticed is that when i do one like say with chris Muller, i get a b and c person who yep. i know who i who like comment on it and then i realize oh they're they would be perfect for it and then yeah. it just it popcorns where at first i first <laughs> that's like, exactly
1: Man. right yep that's exactly right so like what i do is like with that i keep a spreadsheet and i just keep plugging those names in so i don't lose track of it yep. um and then when i'm like oh you know what you know, like I've had a bunch of old guys on the show talking about the nineties VMX. Um, time to have uh, you know, let's get a let's get a new school guy on. You know what I mean? Then you yep. can be like, Oh, let me look in my real Rolodex here, um, in my spreadsheet and just pull out, you know. Yep. I haven't whatever. In,
0: I haven't intentionally been getting all these people who are owners or people who started companies. Yep. It's just kind of how it's happened, so I've sort of been it's leaning. Cool. Into it I'm enjoying
1: watching it. Yeah, I find it really <clears throat> the business decisions and why people have chosen, you know, because like uh, s and and Hoffman, like that was our main competition
2: mm-hmm.
1: back in the day. Like that's the people we went head to head against, you know, yeah. um, and we all had very different um, uh, ways of looking what good was good good looked very different to us than it did to matt than it did to chris
0: Mm -hmm. you know
1: um and it says go ahead and vice versa Um,
0: and it says something about the fact that all three of those companies still exist today and that good doesn't have to be one specific thing
1: now there's no there's no right answer you know there's just hard work (laughs) Um, yep that's what there's no best rider in the world. There's just the hardest working rider in the world, you know. Like it's
0: definitely true.
1: So, so yeah, the same with the companies, you know. Like, um, so it's to me, it's it's all about the the effort. There's no trophy, you know, that you get. Yep. At the end of the day. So, um, but you got to believe in something, you know. You got to fight for something, right? We believed that the way we were going about um, innovation was really, really important. Matt um, thought that making the bikes and things more accessible to people was more important, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Chris thought staying to your roots was the most important thing. You know what I mean? So, like, all very different groups. We all thought we were right, and it turns out we all were right at the same time. Like, shocker, you know? Pretty cool, though. Yeah, it's cool. It's cool, but at the time, when you're in the whirlwind, you don't think about it that way. You think it's us versus them.
0: Oh, for sure. When you're at work and you have two people with ideas, you're like, my idea is better. I want to yeah, do exactly, my right. idea. Yeah, exactly, right.
1: <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, like, as soon as Standard was going for a little while, like, we had all these <coughs> copycat <coughs> sort of companies appear. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was like, really? Like, Really?
0: Well, okay. that's, that's the way it's always been in BMX and probably always will be. But the, yeah. but it, it shows that the ones that are doing what they really believe in are the ones that usually, unless something really bad happens, yep. stay around.
1: Yep. But again, like you look at, um, I go back to what we were talking about earlier about brand. Like that's the one thing that Hoffman, S&M, and Standard did really good. It was brand. Like mm, Yeah. Like the brands are strong. And so they can weather economic downturns. They can weather, <clears throat> you know, oh, we're going to do all completes. Oh, just kidding. We're not doing completes. And
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, they can turn into, like, you know, a custom boutique. Every frame is a painting place. You know what I mean? Yeah. It doesn't matter. Like, Rick could launch completes next week, and he'd probably sell a lot of them, you know, like, um, because it's a brand that, at that point. So.
0: Holy heck, that's an idea. A company that makes they're not there's no sacrifices <laughs> with the complete. It's just yep. the best. It's still a standard <laughs> yep. or it's yep. still an SM, but yep. it is a complete with the best
1: parts yeah, on it. Right. People would buy yep. that. All handcraft well, Of course they would. Yeah, of course they would.
0: People would line up to buy that. I know a guy in the city I live in who makes bikes. It's called Groovy Cycle Works. Yeah. And He opens his list at the beginning of the year, and it's closed pretty quickly after that because he knows how much he can do in a year, and he makes it, and that's what he does.
1: Again, like, he's built a brand. He's built a reputation. Yeah, because, I mean, like, you know, I always wanted... um, I always thought that um, um, biking would be part of my, you know, my, my life, but I never... I never wanted it to be part of my job, you know, Mm -hmm. like after the bike company, you know, I had, (coughs) excuse me. You're good. No worries. I had offers to do, you know, designs and other things and be a part of other stuff. And I was like, nah, like I did it already. Like I did that Mm -hmm. thing. And, um, you know, um, I wanted biking to be, uh, my thing again and not a thing that I did for everybody. Cause again, it became a show.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so that's... much
1: um, and so I, I, w- I needed it to be my thing again you know
0: I think there's a struggle that a lot of people deal with and I have been having not an identity crisis but an identity realization lately when I hear big prof- like top of name professional writers talking about the things that they do because yep. they know that they need to do that to stay professional and stay where they're at and then I think about like I'm literally only doing anything that I do because it's me yep. and and I'm building something that's sustaining itself based on that and how like it's a crazy thing to see and realize
1: yeah it is well again like I, you know it comes down to um, what are your goals
2: mm-hmm.
1: like you know do you want to you know so, I mean some guys want to be <clears throat> buried with them um, you know, uh, an old '90s Wilkerson frame between their legs. You know, I,
2: like you <laughs> yeah. know what I
1: mean, and that's cool. You know, yep. um, other other people like um, what's uh, what's the Webby guy, right? Um, mm-hmm. in in England, I love that Webby guy. Like he's great. Um, but he doesn't. He stopped competing, right? He just does Instagram and stuff. And mm-hmm. like he races like races cars or something on the side. I don't know. I don't know what he does, but mm-hmm. he's fun to watch. You know, um. And, uh, but he just, you know, he probably was like, you know what? I'm done with the whole show thing, you know?
0: Yeah. It's, it's interesting when you realize that it becomes a show.
1: Yeah. Right. That's interesting. yep. Yeah. It's, it's a, um, uh, it's a really interesting, (laughs) um, yeah. You just, like I said, like, don't my advice for anybody coming up in, BMX is, um, you know, is don't get caught off guard. Like have goals, have yeah. have dreams that have dreams that are not just like you, you know, up there holding a Nora cup with you know, huckster handing it to you and spitting out beer in your face. You know, like like have some real goals and and things you want to achieve and work towards those things. You know, um, yeah. they're, they'll change and they'll be different. Um, but if your goal is just to be as good as you can be like, that's, that's cool, you know, but at some point, you know, you're going to tell, you might tear an ACL and then what, you know?
0: Right. Exactly. You
1: know? <clears throat> um, so you gotta be, you gotta watch out for yourself, you know? Cause I mean, when I was doing all that stuff, I mean, none of us had health insurance. I, I gave myself stitches like three times in the, you know? Yeah
0: i did so, that one time but just because i wanted to say i did <laughs>
1: <laughs> so i
0: literally had to otherwise like
1: i it wouldn't have stopped bleeding like jeez. Oh, um, um but uh um we um you know we were working towards something you know that's why mm-hmm. we did all that yeah i mean so, you know so
0: you also have your youtube channel and... i do yeah
1: that's part of the podcast. Um, what I did is when I started the podcast, I always wanted to make video a part of it, but nobody wanted to come on camera. But thanks to the pandemic, like nobody cares anymore.
0: <laughs> oh, that's a great. I never even realized that. But yeah, yeah.
1: So then I just turned it into doing video stuff. And then I take the audio from the video and ship that in the podcast channel. And then I post the I just leave the video on YouTube. It's great. So...
0: And um, so you also you have that. But then you yep. also have there's the BMX youtube as well
1: yeah i've got um yeah i've got uh where i just post like old videos and stuff that i've i have that's the krt
0: stuff. yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna make sure i link all these a lot
1: of links to stuff
0: bmx youtube channel i'd love that i can just do this while we're sitting here talking though and then uh what would you call the other one how would you label that
1: which one the bmx one no
0: the podcast type channel
1: that's schmidt list too
0: so you just call that like a it's just um, it's a podcast channel. Like,
1: yeah, podcast channel. Yeah. Okay. YouTube podcast. Um, all right. Got it. All that sh- Schmidt list. My wife thought it would be funny because she thought it'd be funny for me to invite people to come on my Schmidt list.
0: Oh, no, it is so, great. So I, she,
1: um, And I think we had like a half a bottle of wine and I was like, I'm buying the domain. <laughs> and then here we are five years later.
0: That is funny. No but it's, it's going well it seems you're still doing it you're 200 something episodes in i can't wait to be that far in
1: i know it's fun and like i said like i don't i don't do anything to promote this stuff it's just very organic you know yeah um, and uh and i like it that way like i'm not trying to make money off of this show like i said the book um i'm not i'm not doing this to like become internet famous and do whatever like these are these are um, things that I wanted. You know, I wanted to write a book by time before I'm 50. I wanted to um, do a, a show at a podcast because I thought I would be able to learn a lot from other people in a in this way. And you know, these are all like almost like buckety buckety list type things versus like trying to be famous and trying to
0: so, pull a Gary Vee and do <clears throat>
1: it. Yeah, no, it's not hashtag hustle culture, bro. Like. Um, to me, like it's about challenging myself, just like I did on the bike, right? Like put myself mm-hmm. in comfortable situations and see how I do. Like that's where I thrive, and that's when I, that's when I feel good. You know, if I'm sitting there, you know, um, binging Netflix and, you know what I mean? Like that's that's Dude, when I feel like I literally not,
0: can't do that anymore. I no. used to, like my girlfriend and I used to binge through stuff on Netflix and w- like the walking dead and w- yeah sure yeah i was in. into that too until we, like
1: season like three or four then i was like what yeah is going you on?
0: can't do that to glenn we're done uh yeah. <laughs> but but that was it like we found the walking dead after it was already a thing so we binged all the, yeah you and just we tear used, through it yeah we used to do that with so many different things but then yeah. i got deep into this youtube stuff and i got into a point of accountability with myself that i feel bad just watching two episodes of something while we're eating dinner
1: yep exactly that's 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 literally the same story with me years ago with this it's like there's so much more value i have to offer Mm -hmm. into the to the to the world and um and uh and it was a really interesting thing because i um, what i found was i was waiting for people to give me permission to do these things But i didn't realize that like so i would tell people like yeah i'm thinking about doing this podcast and people be like great you should yeah i'd be like i'd be like but you know do you do you really think i should you know and it's like they don't care like they're like nobody's gonna tell you to go write a book or 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 start a youtube channel or do whatever like nobody's gonna go tell you that nope like but i kept waiting like like i'm waiting for people to give me permission to like be to do these things. And then when I found out that that wasn't going to happen, I was like, well, I guess I'm just going to go, go do it. Like, bye.
0: Yeah. it's, It's funny. You say that because it was a similar thing for me in that I wasn't waiting for people to tell me to do something or tell me that I could do something. It was that I was trying to lean too much onto people to help me. Like, and be a part of something so that yep. i didn't have to do it all myself and that that led me to try to just waiting on other people who like weren't as passionate about this idea yep. as i was and there's nothing yep. wrong with that it was just like it was my idea not yep. their idea and yeah, and, right. and so that's like where part of my youtube channel started is oh man i had the idea for it a year before i even did it and i was like yeah we could make this youtube channel we could play games of bike and film stuff at Rays every time we go up there and my buddy's like yeah that'd be cool but that's where it ends let's do it right that ends with yeah it'd be cool and then i realize like you realize very shortly after i really didn't care as
1: much as you do exactly and
0: and if you wait on other people to, oh yeah no i can't
1: tell you how many ideas have died because i was like hey are you coming and they're like yeah i'll be there in a minute you know and you're yep. like, oh, you know what? The the whole fire was gone. So,
0: yep. But uh, Kurt, we just did about three hours. So, yeah. I don't want to take too much of your time. That's why here. I do a
1: podcast and because I can I can jaw on for a while. So
0: that's okay. I love it. I I just uh I don't want to take up too much of your time.
1: No, I really appreciate um, you having me on in the consideration. Uh, it means a lot to me. I'm I'm I'm. I'm constantly super thankful to be remembered in the, mm. in, the, in the biking community, and that I had a you know a tiny bit of impact on it, it means a lot to me that people remember that stuff because um, it was a it was a fantastic time in my life, and I wouldn't change it for the for the world. Um, but you know um, it's great to be it's great that you had a little bit of an impact on folks, and uh, I feel um, really humbled by that and that's why like I said like I love posting stuff to the Instagram stuff and having people go oh my gosh and I'm like really it's still still good
0: <laughs> yeah it's still you good you like
1: me you really
2: like <laughs> me yeah
1: it's great it's no it's 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 good it feels good um, um and not necessarily like I said from a a plain ego standpoint but just from a a time served right like a energy put into um, a sport um, to feel recognized by those folks um, that are still in it and around it, like on a daily basis, is is just um, I'm really humbled about it. So, thank you for all you do, rant because I, um, I I really enjoy um, your show and the the channel you're doing. And anybody else out there who's doing this sort of stuff, like man, more power to you. Just keep it going. It's the type of stuff that um, this is the sand between the boulders that keeps um, BMX really growing. So. I appreciate it.
0: Yeah. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. And I really enjoyed getting to sit down for three hours and just get to learn about all so much more. And that's my, probably my favorite part of BMX. And what I'm doing is that I didn't grow up knowing a lot because I didn't watch videos. I just made videos. So I get to, I get to like learn from the people like you about what you did. And it, I just, that's my favorite part. And that's crazy i love it
1: well when you come to minneapolis i'll tell you all the stories i can't talk about on 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 recording
0: so yeah let me just stop it real quick and you can start telling me <laughs> I'll, tell you the, I'll
1: tell you all the stories that uh will make your your hair uh grow really long oh wait i've already told you
0: ah hey oh you know, so, um that's funny yeah yeah i know um what's that yeah, book?
1: anybody wants to come and hang out like you get uh, me and john uh bootage and uh, you know a bunch of other folks together like it's um oof bad
2: oh I can't imagine. it'll make
1: <clears throat> it'll yeah it'll make you it'll yeah it'll make your hair stand up.
0: Yep. So uh the little book of marketing. Right networking. there Networking. Little book of networking, my bad it's been through I know hours. we talked a lot about marketing. <laughs> little book of networking available right now on Amazon. Yes, Link great. is in the description down below. And uh, I appreciate your time. Appreciate it. Yeah, man.
1: Thanks for, like I said, thanks for having me. And thanks to everybody who, (laughs) I don't know, I don't know why you stuck around for this long, but um, if you did, uh, I appreciate you. And um, yeah, thank you for all the support.
0: Absolutely. Have a good night, everyone.